Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Actually, it's interesting. Ronnie Corbett's uh, funeral today, his widow Annie's not very well either. So uh, we wish her the very best. She's had a fair share of uh, ill health. So fingers crossed for uh, today. Not going to be a great day for anybody, I suppose, really. Steve Davis has retired. I, s- I didn't even know he was still alive. Seriously, I was so surprised when somebody said he's decided to retire as after he's had a series of disasters, mainly because he's the most boring person you've ever seen being interviewed in your entire life. He was called Steve Interesting Davis, and that was about as good as it got. Uh, the page three beauty, although I, I speculate on the use of the word beauty, you've never seen such a pair of old mingers in your life, who nicknamed her cabinet minister boyfriend Sexy Bum. My God, honestly, it's taken a new downward turn, hasn't it, really? And... Over on Britain's Got Talent, after the singing sensation, the 12-year-old, OK kind of singer, you know, good, but then you find kids who go to these stage schools who are very good indeed. Then the other day, we had a, a 14-year-old ballet dancer on. Turns out to be her cousin. Turns out to be her cousin. They're obviously a very chavvy family, because just as he was about to start, we love you, Ma, or whatever his name was, came from the audience, and I thought, who are these people who shout out at things like that? Ghastly. Ghastly. Anyway, nice to be company. Yesterday, glorious day. Uh, really, really glorious day. Really fantastic. Welcome to the 4am spike. I tell you, no station comes anywhere near to LBC at this time of the morning, which we're very pleased about. Very pleased about. Uh, other stories coming up today. The, uh, the end of secret celebs, or is it the end of secret celebs. This is the injunction from the High Court. You can't name the uh, celebrity couple, and yet two billion people around the world seem to know exactly who it is. You're just being denied that information, but they've paid a lot of money to keep their names out of the press. Although, strange enough, they do feature in the, in the press. It's just they don't feature in the press for this. Because there are children who are involved, they've decided that, uh, that they don't they th- and think it's going to be detrimental. Well, we'll find out later on today, because they're about to sort of re-evaluate the situation and go, well, this is ridiculous. You can read about it in Scotland, you can read about it in Canada, read about it in Northern Ireland, you can read about it over the whole of the Americas, and yet, uh, here, nothing at all. would not make any sense to me. It really, I mean, to be honest with you, as we've said a million times before, is it going to make any difference? Is it really going to make any difference that a cabinet minister, you know, goes out there and starts hanging around with low-rent people, you know, prostitutes and hookers and things. It's just really awful. And porno stars who apparently become the accepted face of it now. It's ridiculous. There's a feature in one of the papers today on some old biddy from, um, from Geordie Shaw who's launched a diet. It's just to extract money from you. I've told you before, you want to lose weight? Go to the doctor, get a free free diet sheet. You don't need anything. You don't need to waste money on these third-rate Z-listers. Mind you, I wonder exactly how the head is going today for Sarah Harding. Oh, I'm going to drink her again. Well, she was pictured sort of staggering out of a pub, poor soul, honestly. That kind of sums her life up, really. I, I think she needs to kind of get focused. She needs to get in gear, because the sort of publicity she's getting is certainly not good for a, a woman of her age. really isn't. Terrible. We take all your texts and emails, 84850, uk. And uh, in keeping with, we have to mention them every day, it's part of the contract, Brooklyn Beckham's had his hair braided because he went to um, a rock festival and so they take pictures of him. I only asked the question, do they go to school, the children? If so, why have we never seen any pictures of them going to school with their little satchels on their back and mummy or daddy dropping them off at the school gates? I mean, do they go to school? Are they educated? We know that really uh, Brooklyn... Can't do anything at all. He was a failed footballer, if you remember. A failed barista. Oh, wait a minute, he's going to be a top photographer. 
I don't think so. I really don't think so at all. I think Brooklyn's going to be the first one to fall off the wagon. Straight into the ground. Hottest spell of the year is on the way. All right, that's it. I'm going out now to uh, go and get a pair of shorts. And, um, and we've caught a fly tipper on camera. Fantastic. I was so excited, actually. I get a bit excited about fly tipping once they're caught. Uh, you know, because we all know what sort of people fly tip. Only this one's uh, sort of away from the norm. He was stupid. Uh, they've seen people fly tipping in this spot before. And uh, they uh, decided to set up a hidden camera. So they set up a hidden camera... Uh, and they watched him dumping, I think it was a dishwasher, but the camera didn't capture the car number plate. Well, blow me down. He came back. He stupidly came back to dump more stuff, and it was then that they actually got the car number plate, because that's what they need. They need the car number plate so that they can then prosecute, and so that's exactly what they did. They they prosecuted him, and uh, he had to go to court, and he got fined, I think, £215 costs a thousand pounds i laughed a lot would have been so much cheaper to go to the dump but of course as he was a permanent thicko we have to sort of applaud his rank stupidity so i was i was very pleased about it. i always love stories like that it always makes me smile actually when somebody else has been uh, caught out and he was caught out and then there's a picture of two of the ugliest page three girls i've ever seen i seriously thought there was something the matter with them i thought maybe maybe the picture is not right and this is um uh, this is uh, the story of john whittingdale who had a, a two-year fling with something called Stephanie Hudson. Uh, Stephanie, 36. Uh, she's known as one of the booby twins. And when you look at her sister, the word unattractive throws itself out. The, I've never seen anybody look so... They've obviously had their lips Botox or whatever you do with them. They are seriously minging. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean, God in heaven, if, they, if she's 36 and she's still hawking her carcass around, it's a little bit of an embarrassment... And um, and you look at it and you think, what attracts men to these sort of people? Now, don't get me wrong. I couldn't care less who he sleeps with. I'm not remotely bothered by it. You just sort of think, you're making yourself look like a silly, fat old fool, aren't you? You know, going out there and then they found him with somebody else. But it's looking at these these sort of the booby twins. Oh, my God. One of them who is um, Steph, I think. Well, she, she could be, which one's Steph? I don't know, difficult to tell. Actually. One is Steph and one is Samantha. Well, Samantha doesn't have any looks whatsoever. I mean, seriously. I mean, God in heaven, dear. Couldn't you find something else to do? Obviously not. Easier just to get your boobs out and call yourself a page three stunner, which, of course, you're not. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, we've got uh, Kenny fighting the booze in a pub. This is troubled England legend Kenny Sansom, who's being helped in his booze battle by a landlord who's let him move into a flat above the pub. Uh, the landlord's offered to restrict the 57-year-old's drinking. This is a pub in uh, Redhill. They're only going to allow him two glasses of wine a day. You seriously think that's going to stop him, do you? My God, honestly. Some of these fools are even bigger than you imagine, aren't they? And, um, and here's the girl who was the singing sensation. Uh, this is uh, Bo Dermot. She has an agent already. She has a top agent, seriously. But uh, now we've got her, her cousin, the ballet dancer... Uh, and we had the usual story, actually. It was a little bit sort of Billy Elliot kind of thing. I don't let me find the actual headline of it. And um, he was sort of saying, you know, everybody could, because he was ballet dancer, he was called gay and everything else. Uh, as if it was something the matter with being called gay. Who cares? Who cares? He's a 14-year-old. He was s- slightly camp. But then I think anybody who dances ballet, and he danced around the stage, and it was all very sweet, and the audience liked him. So he went through to the final. And then it turns out he's related to the 12-year-old. 
Can't believe it, can you, really? It's uh, it's one of the... But then we, we all sort of kind of go, oh, right, OK. So he's sort of related. Does that make any difference? No, not really. Just that obviously Britain's Got Talent is sort of running out of ideas. So little boy coming from a ballet school, because there's loads of them, loads of them. They turn them out like there's no tomorrow. Kids who want to, uh, to dance, because they've seen the film Billy Elliot. Which, incidentally, of course, was uh, was put together. I think music was Elton John. Elton John going to be featuring a lot on this programme this morning. Because apart from the fact that he's uh, produced that, now we've got David Furnish saying that Elton John is bigger than Bowie. David Furnish, obviously, somewhat deluded. But never mind. You know, we can, we can allow him to get away with that because <coughs> David Bowie's dead and he's had all his albums in the charts, whereas Elton John struggles to get into the charts. I mean, people just see him now as the fat bloke with a toupee who plays in Vegas. They don't, they don't see him as anything else. I, don't think, I, I reckon you could go out onto the streets now and I could say to 20 people, tell me the name of Elton John's latest album, give you £1,000, nobody would know. Do you know what it's called? I've got no idea either. Not a clue. Is it in the charts? I don't know. We'll find out. I shouldn't think so. And then there is a piece in the paper about Elton John today, which, uh, which kind of knocked me a little bit sideways, because it turns out that Elton John is one of two of the most uh, generous celebrities in this country, the other one being J.K. Rowling, because he's given nearly £30 million to himself. He's given it to the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which is his foundation. It's his charity. So, in other words, he's taken money that he's earned and he's put it legally into his own foundation. And you think, why is that being generous? Why is that being... He's given it to himself. Everybody knows that foundation... I think you find old Cheryl Spagbol's got a foundation as well. I think you find that she has one. Elton's latest album came out in February. There you go. But you never even knew that. The things that we tell you... Excuse me. Well... I say here, it's called Wonderful Crazy Night. It went to number six in the album chart. Of course, we know that Bowie was going to be number one even before he died because David Bowie had got all the publicity. Uh, Elton John, of course, thinks he can go it alone and only got to number six. I mean, that's not, that's not very good. So how on earth David Furnish, David Interesting Furnish, can come out and say that, uh, that Elton John is bigger than David Bowie. Oh, perhaps he means fatter. Sorry, I've just realised. Oh, God, how dumb am I? How dumb. He's bigger than David Bowie, of course. Of course, that's why it is. But, uh, no, he's not. David Bowie is massive around the world. I don't think Elton John is. I mean, I wouldn't have thought so. I know he plays Vegas. But it's, you know, David Bowie never needed to play Vegas. I always think that Elton John needs to play Vegas. He's supposed to have a fortune of about, what did somebody say, about 250 million or something like that? That seemed, seemed a fair amount of money, I thought. Interesting keeping with what Steve Allen seems to be trousering away every blooming month. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, the Steve Davis story. I do, I'm, I quite like the Steve Davis story, except I was slightly surprised that he's, he's going to be a DJ. I don't, I don't suppose actually to be a DJ, you have to have much of a personality nowadays, do you? Especially if you're a club DJ. I don't think he's going to be radio DJ. I think he's actually going to be club DJ, and that's uh, that's how different it will be. Uh, Bradley Walsh nicked Michael Barrymore's act. Did you see that? I love Bradley Walsh, as you know. But uh, he did the Michael Barrymore act, sitting at the edge of the stage, doing the hand jive thing with all the dancers. Dun, 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 dun. It, it looks very impressive. Michael Barrymore did it 20 years ago. They obviously thought they would resurrect it. It's quite a difficult thing to remember, but once you've got it off pat, it looks very good. Uh, the heartbroken vicar, who wishes Robson Green and his wife a good life together, which is nice. Or as the producer has typed up, heartbroken vicar wishes Robson and his wife a good wife together. I was, 
suppose it will be, actually. And uh, Mario Falcone, still droning on to anybody who listen. I'm ever so sorry, Mario. It's very sweet of you to make a contribution, love. But uh, your, your, your star fell off the, uh, the stratosphere a long, long time ago. Nobody cares. Seriously, nobody cares anymore. Because his, his latest pronouncement is... He was in Towie, incidentally, in case you didn't know. Then he had, let's call it an incident on the internet where he inadvertently, deliberately, exposed himself. Uh, he went out with Lucy Mecklenburg. But there again, that was the meeting of the minds. She spent most of the first series in tears because she's a bit of a, bit of a loser. And uh, he said, I, I won't go back with her. And this is the staggering news, isn't it? I mean, absolutely staggering news that Mario Falcone will not go back with Lucy Mecklenburg. And after what we learnt last week, I mean, he would like the word stratosphere because he used the word discombobulated. Uh, the other week because he thinks he's bright and he says he needs to be bright and uh, you know and educated because he's dealing with rich people who want to fork out all this money for a suit you know I never understand why anybody goes to Savile Row for a suit because people come over from Hong Kong now book themselves into hotel rooms and you can have a suit made in Hong Kong for a tenth of the price as you get it made here and it's, it's a simple, hard fact that it's a lot cheaper to go to Hong Kong. You see these people coming over from Kowloon, and they say you can have two suits made, and it's uh, one in wool, one in whatever your choice is, uh, six shirts, four ties, two pairs of trousers, blah, 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 £600. Which, of course, is, you know, a fraction of what somebody would spend on a bespocky suit if you go to... Um, in fact, there's a woman, actually, in Savile Row. I think I saw her in the papers the other week. She's the only woman... Taylor in Savile Row. It's quite exciting, isn't it? Well, I thought it was quite exciting, and I couldn't really care less if anybody else thinks it's exciting. It's my story. I shall, I shall keep it to myself. Right, what have we got for you? We've got uh, 16 minutes past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven, only on LBC. Look at the team this morning at seven with the Euro vote polls tightening and David Cameron's ratings taking a hit. The Remain camp has turned to Barack Obama for some stardust. Should the US president even have a say and will it make a difference? It's also National Offer Day for primary school pupils. We tell you what you need to do if your child hasn't got their first choice. And some private schools are being forced to introduce calm down classes for anxious parents worried about their kids' exams. Should they be rolled out across the state sector too? Plus the foreign affairs analyst and LBC presenter Tim Marshall in the studio to take a look through today's papers. That's Nick Ferrari at breakfast at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I watched the Jeremy Kyle show again the other day. I can't help it. It was just a lot of shouty people. And this was uh, some girl shouting. God, she was gobby. She really was horrible. And it turned out her father had died... And uh, then she's got all these half-brothers and sisters because he'd obviously slept around all over the place. But he didn't want certain people at his funeral. And so, I mean, he'd only been dead four weeks and already she was prepared to pitch up on the television. She was a vile person. And uh, and then her gay half-brother turns up and apparently her father didn't want him to go to the funeral. I mean, to be honest with you, I've heard about this before. It's ghastly, isn't it, when families start arguing about who's going to show up at the funeral and who's not going to show up at the funeral. And um, and then she obviously, I mean, she was a, quite clearly a homophobe. You could see that straight away. She'd written things that were sort of derogatory. And uh, he didn't really say very much for himself at all. I was a bit disappointed. He turned out to be a right old drip. And uh, could have said a bit more. Why are you here? I just want to find out why my father didn't want me to go to the funeral. Well, he's dead, dear. He's not going to be coming back any time soon. Unless you can get that Sally Watson face to come there and have a talk to him. He's here, darling. He's here with me now. He's on the stage. No, he's not, your fat 
woman, honestly. It's just ridiculous. I love it when people go to it, though, because it just gives me, gives me more sort of uh, more ammunition, which I like. So, so these, these, this family argue on the... Te- the language was unreal. At some point, this enormous woman comes on the stage and the rest of us turn on and go, who are you? And she goes, well, I'm here to stick up for, for, the, for the gay boy and all this. Well, you don't know him. Get off. And this other woman, she will not shut up. She goes on and on. And then on comes the other ugly half-sister. I mean, this family were going at themselves, hammer and tongs, you know. And then they were arguing over what's going to happen to his ashes. Why would you want this bloke? He quite clearly, luckily he's dead because he was a horrible piece of work. Absolutely horrible. He was, you know, setting up... You know, the kids in the family fighting against themselves. He quite clearly slept with whoever he wanted to and had all these kids he didn't pay for. Ridiculous, honestly. Horrible man. Nobody wanted to see him. They were probably quite glad when he eventually should have shuffled off this mortal coil. But they were arguing about who was going to have the ashes on the show. I mean, that is the oddest thing ever, isn't it? I mean, that really is... (laughs) <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I sit there watching it. Jeremy Carl shouts at them. And occasionally you get Graham, who's the uh, the one who's just married his boyfriend. He apparently comes on and sits there trying to look like Mother Teresa. And that doesn't kind of work for me at all. He's obviously trying to muscle in on a bit of that. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's why, you know, they didn't know what to do, did they? With poor old Jeremy Carl. After they tried him on... Uh, bre- excuse me. After they tried him on uh, breakfast, he was so dreadful... Because he doesn't know how to talk properly. And then I discovered there was a bloke on, I think it was Ideal World. You know where it's shrieky woman, Sally Jacks works. The woman who seriously, I mean, oh seriously, it's, it's, it goes off the scale. She's screechy, screechy. She just looks slightly peculiar. She's desperate to be somebody, but the trouble is she doesn't know which body she wants to be in. And they've got a bald bloke on there. His name is Mark West or Mark somebody. I can't remember what his name is. He's quite clearly a market trader because he shouts as well. He's another one who shouts. Nobody can actually do something. It'd be like me coming on going, it's LBC! You know, and people go, why are you shouting? It's a microphone. You don't need to. They've all got little microphones on them. And he's like, yeah, come on, birds, come on in here. You can buy this thing here, buy that thing there. And he just looks a bit sleazy. There's something about him. He doesn't have that, that je ne sais quoi that a lot of the other presenters on that show... In fact, I think both him and, uh, and the blonde woman who shrieks with the really bad voice, Sally Jacks, I think they both came from Bid Up TV. And that, of course, went belly up, as you know. Dreadful. Every time they're on, I, I sort of watch about a minute just to reaffirm the fact that they really are that bad, and then I turn it over to something else. And you get QVC and you get Richard Jackson flogging his gardening stuff. And I sit there for ages thinking, should I order some plants? And I think, no, I want to go and see them, even though some of them look really nice. I think, no, I'll, I'll go up to the garden centre. That's my treat. And if it doesn't rain today, and I'm hoping it's not going to rain today, I might actually, I might actually, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? I don't know, actually. There's nothing particularly on my agenda today. So as far as I can think, I've got nothing to do today. It's quite nice, isn't it? Oh, I need to phone the, uh, the cab company <coughs> because I have an account. I'm so posh. I have an account for my car. But so far, two months in, they haven't invoiced me. So I don't want, uh, you know, to actually get a, get a surprising bill of a few thousand pounds in. So I'm going to have to speak to them today and go, listen, I haven't had a bill in yet. I checked with, uh, with my bank manager and she said, no, no, they haven't invoiced you yet. So I don't want any surprises. Thank you very much indeed. You know, it'll be two months down the line now because I think we had March and then this is April, isn't it? We are still in April. We are still in our thoughts. And so that'll be, uh, you know, quite, quite a bit of money. I've got it there. It's not I don't have the money. 
quite clearly. And uh, Iceman says, I'm back from America with my partner, JJ. Must admit, we missed your show. You don't get shows like this in America. And I mean, I'm always amazed that America is so vast and they've got so many radio stations that every time you sort of, you know, you go another sort of three miles down the road, you get another radio station. WXFM. Hey, come on, come on, come on. We're going to be playing some good hood. You know, you get that kind of thing. Wolfman Jack pitched up in a lot of the American graffiti things. And I, I mean, he does actually exist. He is actually a DJ. And at one point, they're actually listening to him on the radio. And then they go around the back of this uh, shack where he's broadcasting from. A Wolfman Jack was quite a, quite a legend in broadcasting terms. And there is this big man with sort of a beard going, my, 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 we got some super tunes for you today coming at you and all this kind of stuff. And I used to think, come on, perhaps that's what you have to be to be a DJ now. Perhaps you have to adopt one of these strange voices. I used to listen to a guy years ago called the Emperor Roscoe. And uh, his, his father was a filmmaker, a very famous filmmaker, and uh, Emperor Roscoe was another one of these American, you know, fast-talking kind of DJs. Whereas nowadays, you don't tend to get that, do you? You don't get the fast-talking DJs that you got years ago. And America seemed to throw up a glut of them. Over here, we had sort of people slightly more refined, but they had very distinctive voices. And that's what makes somebody successful on the radio, as to whether you've got a distinctive voice. Do people know your voice? And the answer is, in you know, a lot of cases, they don't. I can listen to people, you know, on, on the radio, and I think, I wonder who that is. Because unless somebody names Steve Allen, unless somebody named che- Steve Allen, unless somebody named Steve Allen, unless somebody named Steve, thank you, unless somebody name checks themselves all the time, you've got no idea who you're listening to. You sit there waiting for a jingle. You know that every 15 minutes there's going to be a thing and it's going to say Steve Allen 84850 Okay, And you know you're going to get that. But I, I hardly mention my own name because I know who I am. But I appreciate the fact that people listening to the radio, you need to be told. It was like, do you remember years ago, I did a series on hospital radio stations. It was a, a filler for my overnight programme. And I thought, they were all saying, you know, so what do you want to do on the programme? And I thought, well, people on hospital radio stations, some of them make it onto, onto big boys radio. Uh, some of them don't. Some people spend a lifetime working on hospital radio because that's what they want to do. And so I went round to loads of them. I must have done about, te- one was next to a mortuary in a hotel in London. So they're wheeling bodies in. <laughs> out of the mortuary while they're broadcasting next door. Uh, Some are really super duper, like the one at Great Ormond Street uh, Hospital. That one actually transmits. So in other words, the kids can take their radio into hospital, tune it in to Radio Gosh, and they can hear themselves. And they, I think that was the first radio station my friend Peter secured an interview with Paul McCartney because I think his daughter went in there. And that was in the time and everybody's going, you got Paul McCartney? Yep, he went on to Radio Gosh. And I remember thinking, no, that was, that was quite an achievement. And so I went and did this, this series on radio stations. But the one thing I discovered with a lot of them was that the DJs gave time checks. Well, if you're in a hospital bed, the last thing you need to know is that it's only three minutes later than the last time they told you the time. And so I used to say to people, why do you give time checks? And of course, it's a standard thing for DJs. They like to if you're doing a breakfast program, I can understand that you give time checks. But if you're doing a program mid-morning, I don't think anybody wants to know the time. I have to give time checks and this is written in my contract. It says you will you will do time checks because people are getting up because they've got to go to work. And so the quicker they're up and the quicker they get out to work, the happier they'll be. And so I'm, I'm quite good at giving time checks. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm a bit later and I do see people running in the morning for the trains and the buses. Well, more so the trains. And I think to myself, I wonder if they're LBC Steve Allen listeners. And they've obviously, you know, they've got, what time is it? Oh, I don't know. He's just got, oh, he's got it wrong again. 
you know, it's five to six. We thought it was quarter to six. God, we're going to miss the train. And so people run for it. And that's, that's what I quite like. But it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the voice thing when it comes to radio, isn't it? You do get voices and you get voices that you latch onto and you get voices like Screechy Sally Jacks, you know, which sort of instant turn off, instant gone, gone straight away. In fact, you wish she was. And so you listen to people on the radio, and it's those with the interesting voices. And over the years, I've heard lots of really interesting voices. Some of them you think, is that really your voice? Have you made that up? I remember listening to the late Mike Allen when he was on LBC. And uh, he used to talk a bit like that, Dolly. And he was a little bit sort of soft. And it was. And I used to think, is he like that all the time? And when I first met him, I, thought, I couldn't quite work out, because he used to do a hip-hop show. Uh, on one of our sister stations, then he brought it to LBC. LBC transmitted a hip-hop show. Seriously. We had no idea what he was talking about. Not a clue. We sat here with jaws on the floor going, what is he saying? Here comes the gravy, there goes the custard. You know, that kind of stuff. And we were sort of listening to all these, and a big shout-out to the Peck and Posse, eh? Hi, boys, how you doing? And it was all like that, and we thought, what's he talking about? But in the early days, LBC had a lot of those sort of, uh, what I call, uh, minority interest programmes which turned out in a lot of cases to actually be majority interest programmes, because we had Geet Marler, which is our Asian programme, Sid Burke, the late Sid Burke, presented Rice and Peas. I used to love seeing Sid Burke. Seriously, he was, he was absolutely lovely. And uh, Suresh Joshi used to do our Geet Marler programme. Lawrence Spicer, not with us anymore, used to do our religious affairs programme. There, there was a little bit of everything. And then there was me. And I didn't kind of fit into any of those categories at all, so I ended up doing this, which is just as well. Because it's news time, it's LBC. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. 26 minutes to five, so the aftermath of the young... Ro- Did you hear Stig Abel yesterday? Stig Abel was... Uh, some lady phoned up, she was very upset, very upset, about the royal family. She wanted him hung. Well, of course, that's incorrect. It's hanged. OK, you can't hung somebody or hang somebody. They're hanged. OK, made it made it a lot easier. And it's up on the LBC website. And he was asking uh, if the institution, the royal family, should be dissolved when the Queen dies, which is what we said last week. And so passionate monarchist Diana, uh, Diana, God, she's not calling from the other side, is she? Do you think? That's a bit worried. Called in furious that Stig would even suggest such a thing. I'm getting very she must be quite old, don't you think? I mean, was she old? We don't know. Uh, I'm getting very angry. I'm going to have to take one of my blood pressure tablets if you don't change the tone of this debate, she said. You're very lucky you haven't been hung for treason, young man. I don't think that's treasonable, actually. I, I really don't think it is. But that's, that's why I question how old she was, whether or not, you know, she actually is aware of exactly, you know, what you can say about the royal family. And the answer is you can say anything you like, as long as it's legal and decent. And as we said on the programme last time, she's old. No, we just had a listen. She's very old. Thank you. <laughs> I like Stig in that studio, and I don't quite like that, actually. I hate that studio. <laughs> that studio and Steve Allen do not go together at all. But, just, but you can watch the video, which is on lbc.co.uk. Make up your own mind. But he, he was quite right, because we've said that the royal family, you know, when the Queen goes, that will be the end, I think, of the era. And, uh, you know, but she's 90. She so, shows no sign of going. In fact, to be honest with you, people are taking bets on whether Charles goes first. I mean, seriously, it's become that silly. But it doesn't matter. You know, I know what press manipulation is. I understand exactly how it works. I understand what publicity is. I understand that they have no job for Prince Harry. So they invent jobs. Char- uh, you know, he, he's got his charity. So it's not really a proper job. It's just you turn up, shake hands and have some pictures taken, which, frankly, is not good enough in this day and age. And now that we've learnt 
that William and Kate's holiday, and that's exactly what it was, it was a jolly, a very, very jolly holiday, cost in the region about £240,000. You paid for it. You paid. They didn't pay for it. Why would they pay for it? They, they pay for it. And he's supposed to be a helicopter pilot. Well, he's an assistant helicopter pilot. And so there's not only him there, but a bodyguard flies with them as well. It's a dreadful waste of money. Dreadful waste of money. And we're looking for somebody who can do actually a day's work. Prince Andrew's daughters, as you know, are bone idle. I mean, they really don't do very much at all. I've lost track of how many holidays one of them's had. Something like 17 in a year. I mean, really, as bone idle as their mother and father. And that's acceptable. I think in the royal family, everybody like everybody does the same thing. Everybody loves the Queen. Everybody loves Prince Philip. Even though they go, oh, of course, he's a silly old so-and-so, isn't he? And he says this and that. I think he's great. Seriously, I think he's absolutely great. He's been there at her side. He was broke. He never had anything. He was part of, you know, Greek, uh, Greek royalty. He was sort of with the impoverished end of the, of the market, the impoverished end. They never had any money. So he did quite well. He's always been there for her. I don't know what their relationship is now. I mean, let's face it. I mean, if you've been there for, for that amount of time, I mean, we know they have separate bedrooms. And I think they've probably given up, you know, having baths together and things like that. They do have a swimming pool. They do have a swimming pool, and uh, and they are cousins, of course. Uh, but anyway, she saw him. He was blonde. He was good looking, and uh, and it seemed to work out, didn't it? She got the news that her father had died when they were on holiday, and she comes back, and uh, and she's done the job very well. She's had to put up with this bone idle family that she's brought into the world. I mean, they really are blooming lazy. I remember at one time Prince Andrew landed his helicopter on the lawns of Buckingham Palace. He was a dreadful little show off when he was younger. He's even worse now. He's got older. Except now he's got no sense of what are the right friends to have and what are the wrong friends to have. A bit like the daughters, a bit like a bit like the ex-wife as well, who turns out to have had sort of offshore stuff, wasn't it, in the Virgin Islands? I never thought I'd say that. I bet you never thought you did. Steve Allen saying Sarah Ferguson and Virgin Islands in the same sentence. But there you go. She apparently did. And, and I thought, but I thought she was broke. I mean, she's managed to sponge off him for ages, hasn't she? So it's a... And I bet the... And of course, Prince Philip, as you know, absolutely loathes her. Now, whether he knows something different about her than we... No, I've got no idea. But he won't... And, of course, he still controls the family, whether you think he does or he doesn't. I'm telling you, if the Queen wanted Sarah Ferguson to join them for Christmas, she would have said, she's, she's coming, Philip. He would have gone off in a huff. He, won't, he wouldn't sit down at the same table with her. He can't stand her. I think because she's quite common. I think that's what it is. I mean, she's done her best. She's flogged every aspect of her dreary title. And, of course, the Americans love that kind of thing. But, you know, after Diana died, she then pretended that they were the best of friends. Well, I don't remember Diana ever mentioning the best of friends with Sarah Ferguson. But you can say anything you like, can't you? People now say about, you know, so-and-so's died. Oh, my best friend. It's like David Guest's funeral. That'll be a who's who of non-entities from Z-list shows. They'll all turn up for it because it's a photo opportunity. That's what they do, the oxygen. I bet Sarah Harding will pitch up to it. She'll be there with a black veil on, I should imagine, being propped up by some ailing person who can help her through the service. No, she doesn't say anything during it. We're fairly OK, aren't we, really? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So, uh, but if you do want to go onto the LBC website, do actually go and, uh, and listen to Stig being berated by somebody. I tell you, it was brilliant, though. Katie Hopkins. Did you hear her? Oh, she was very good, honestly. I love the way she winds people up. But as she says... And she's, uh, she's always quite upfront about it. And I used to hate Katie Hopkins. But now we're, we're, we're like busy mates. We've got phone number exchanges. We do texting. We do all sorts of things. We're like busy mates, you know, out for lunch, for dinner, snog. Everything. We do everything. You know, we are like 
like two peas in a pod, uh, because it's it's good. It's not an act for her. She absolutely means it. Mine's not an act. I believe everything I say on the programme. If I believe that the royal family are bone idle, I'll tell you they're bone idle. I'm not going to pussyfoot around it because it's the royal family. I didn't elect them. Nobody elected them. They're costing me a small fortune. I love the idea we've got them. Don't get me wrong. Big royalists. You won't find a bigger royalist than me. It's just the younger members are a bit bone idle. And so Katie Hopkins, I mean, she said the other day, she said, the good thing is, she said, that even the people, even the internet trolls, she said, at least I know they're listening. Of course they are. Because they haven't got anything else. Internet trolls are, are saddos. They, they've got quite a few screws loose. In fact, actually, some of them don't even have screws. So that's the, that's the worrying thing, isn't it, nowadays? But she's well worth a listen on a Sunday morning. And, of course, Saturday morning... Which is, uh, which is brilliant. Which is brilliant now. I mean, Saturday morning has now taken the edge of Saturday morning. And now you get, from five till six, the best of Steve Allen. <coughs> Rather raunchy little programme, I thought. And, uh, and then you get uh, Steve Allen's In Conversation. He's very popular, this Steve Allen. You know. He never stops working. And uh, last week, brilliant. Uh, John Favreau and Miriam Margulies. And even Beverly Turner tweeted about Miriam Margulies because she's quite a little treasure. Well, both of them are quite little treasures. And because uh, I, I also like Beverly Turner. I like most people, actually, at the moment. I mean, I'm, I'm actually going through a bit, of, a bit of a renaissance period in my life. I'm actually quite worried that I'm liking too many people. Except Jeremy Kyle and Screechy Sally Jacks, you know. I mean, I'm apart from that, I'm fairly, I'm fairly good with things. But I don't have anybody sort of on my hit list. I used to have years ago quite a number of people on it. I think I'm mellowing. I think I've got to that stage now where I'm becoming benevolent. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? We don't like to have that. You know, people, people say, oh, no, no, we quite like it when you're bitchy. I say, I've never been bitchy. I've only ever told the truth. It might sound like being bitchy, but I promise you it is, it is telling the truth. So when you see some old uh, whoop, like Charlotte Crosby, uh, in the papers going, oh, I've done lesbianism, I've done... Don't mention the word Peter Andre to me. Not at this time of the morning. Come on, it's 18 minutes to five. I mean, do, do the old bloke a favour, for God's sake. That's Peter Andre, by the way. I mean, Peter Talented Andre. I think that's what we call him in future. I quite like that idea. Peter Talented Andre. Because he's marvellous, isn't he? He just doesn't realise that we're all pointing the finger and laughing at him. And that, and that wife, who's the doctor. And uh, there's a picture of Pete. How long do you think he spends doing his hair... He's mobbed by an army of exciting fan, excited fans. Wait for this. Peter Andre was... He was mobbed as he launched his new perfume range in... Reading! Reading! I ask you, out of all the places... Not London. Reading. Oh, dear God in her... It's come to that, has it, Peetsykins? Do you think he's Botox? I'm looking at the hair. That's, uh, that, that's definitely been primped and preened. You know, he comes with his own little sort of army of adoring people. Oh, dear. Wait a minute. Let's have a look at some of the people there. Oh, dear. Oh, look, there's Petey signing a picture of it. There's somebody in a wheelchair. That's always popular for a picture opportunity, isn't it? Who looks like she's sponsored by M&M's, which I love. And uh, let's have a look. It's called Forever Young. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Forever Young. Let's have a look at some of the people there. Oh, my God, fathers. My God, bring out your lame. Bring out your... God, they're all out there, aren't they? It didn't look like an army. Pete, a, a bit of a, a bit of a, an advice here. Try not to smile. It's, it shows the ageing process, OK? And uh, Pete is just flogging a, a cheap perfume. And apparently the reason that he's now happy is because... Emily's coming to his... Sorry. <laughs> Emily's coming to his life. It's just so exciting, isn't it? Emily with the monochrome face. The one look, the standard look, and that dated hairstyle. And um, as a woman got a birthday video from Peter Andres. Well, oh, that lovely. She's 100. That'll kill her off if nothing else will. Uh, Peter's new fragrances are Breeze, a floral scent with notes of jasmine, while Scarlet relies on hints of blackcurrant. What? 
a floral scent with notes of jasmine. So in other words, it's a flower shop and a, and a fruit and veg. And hints of blackcurrant. What a pile of doggy doos. Good grief, honestly. It's just Pete trying to find another aspect of his life to flog. You watch. I mean, the last one was remainded in Poundland. I was going in there. Look, you've got all his fans. My God, they're a bit scary, the fans, aren't they? And they've got pictures of Pete coming out of the pool with his top off. They look very scary, Peter. But that's the sort of people you attract. And uh, they say that many of his loyal band of followers, and there's not that many of them, really. It is Reading, though. Uh, also bought other merchandise in the hope of an autograph. Oh, don't worry, he'll stand there and, and sign anything. He's very good like that. And even though it, the queues at the Oracle Shopping Centre were huge, everybody managed to keep a smile on their face. Oh, no, no, it was quite nice, actually. Just a bit scary when you see them like that. And Pete will go down there. So um, they say he was ambushed. No, he wants them to buy his uh, his perfume. Because Pete's obviously, you know, made that at home. Perhaps him and Emily have sort of, you know, got crates of black currants and trod them in over the, you know, the weeks and the years. And then sort of put it out into a perfume. Imagine having a perfume that spells of black currants. God, you're going to be attracting bees like there's no tomorrow, aren't you? Doesn't sound very promising. But anyway, good luck for that launch in Reading. The uh, millionaire's playground of Reading. OK. Anybody come from Reading? Oh, a friend of mine lives in Reading, actually. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I quite like Reading. I like the sign that says you're now leaving it better. But, you know, Reading's quite nice. It's sort of down the M4. But in fact, if you miss it, just keep going. You end up in Wales. Lesser of two evils, isn't it, really? Quarter to five. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. It's Monday morning. That's the downside of it. The good side is that I'm here until 6.30. But uh, Monday morning, you don't like... You probably had a really nice weekend. A bit chilly, I thought, over the weekend. A little bit chilly. And fr- was it Friday where it chucked it down? Oh, dear, like a mini tsunami where we were. It was absolutely ghastly. And um, I was going to tell you a story about a friend of mine, actually, but I can't because I think somebody associated with it might be listening and I don't want to upset anybody. It's a good story, though. Very good story. It's about... It's, it's, it's a neighbour... A neighbour falling out kind of story. And there's one thing that you should never do is fall out with your neighbours, because you've got to live next door to them. And unless you're moving, it doesn't really help, actually, does it? Uh, Elaine says, there are three ex-bid-up uh, presenters in Ideal World, uh, and they all shout. Very common. The guy you're talking about is Mike Mason. Why does he shout? I mean, has, does he understand what a microphone is? I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, watching him, he's like, why, why, geezer, come on in, babes. You know, and I could just imagine, he was dire on Bid Up TV. That's why Bid Up TV went down the swanee. And, of course, having that dreadful Sally Jacks who sat in the wilderness for not long enough as well. Although, to be honest with you, when she lost the job, I felt a bit sorry for her. But she's back again. She's, she doesn't do humble. She does showing off. And showing off is not very good on the television when you're not very good. Uh, Steve, was it Poundland Reading that Peter Andre was in? No, no, he was in... I don't know what he was selling it from, actually. It's a bit, uh, the tape looked like a trestle table to me. And he was standing in front of it, and they go, Peter Andre's arrived in Reading, and everybody else goes, joking. <laughs> of course, in Reading, they're highly excited. You know, the, the chavs give up going to, going to the food banks. They go, listen, we're going to go and see Peter Andre first. Then we go and finish off the shopping. And so he goes there to sort of flog perfume. Which, as I say, once, once they've not flogged it, I mean, who cares? Who cares? You know, you know damn well, the same as I do, that these people do not invent these fragrances. It's like, you know, you don't believe for an instant half these celebrities actually design clothes, do you? Surely not. No, we're not that naive, are we? Uh, Niall's in West Sussex. Well, somebody's got to be Niall, haven't they, I suppose? And uh, I'm a spiker, says Jack. I hope the royal family stay after HM dies. Um, well, I mean, it, well, it will stay. I think it'll go diluted. I, I seriously think that. I really believe that. And I'm not the only one. I think everybody who, who follows the royal family will think the same. She's the only one who's, who's kept it together. Her big mistake, 
the big mistake for the Queen, and she got forgiven, was the fact that she was not coming back to London after Diana died. You, you know, watch the film The Queen, and you will see quite clearly that uh, the lady was not for coming back to London. She was forced back by the press. She was forced back by the press. They pushed and pushed and pushed. She was going, we're on holiday. Diana's just died. We're on holiday. Diana's just died. And in the end, I remember the headlines on some of the papers. They were literally saying, where are you? Where is, where is our queen? Why is she not down here? And she was forced to come back down again. And that's when they lowered the flag on Buckingham Palace to half-mast. Up until then, she couldn't care less. The newspapers and everybody else making a big deal about Diana dying. Royal family, we're on holiday. Terribly sorry, we don't, we don't break holidays. Well, you better do. And so she did. She came back. And up until then, it was a bit touch and go whether the country were going to turn against her. It was, it was really like that. But I think she's, you know, she's been forgiven. She's, been, she's proven herself. Dear God in heaven, the, the baby Jesus must be looking after her. She's 90, for goodness sake. She doesn't look any different than she did a few years ago. She's still getting... Whether or not she's... I mean, when I looked at the, uh, the Queen Mother when she went to Diana's funeral, she walked in. She had her stick and everything else, but she still walked. She still walked, and you think, well, it's obviously... And then somebody pointed out to me, oh, well, they don't exactly do a lot of work. And she is cutting back. What they're trying to do is shove it all onto William and Kate. Uh, but I don't think this, this latest little jolly did anything at all for them. I really don't, and that's what the experts are saying. The people saying it was, you know, they, they've got to do a little bit more. They've got to offer a little bit more, you know, seeing as they're costing us an arm and a leg. And it's no good him going, oh, I'm a helicopter pilot, I'm this and that. He's not medically qualified. He's just an assistant pilot. So it's, it's not really as clever as it is. Harry just goes off to go to abroad, then he comes back and sort of goes and props up bars, and then he goes off to do something else. It's under the guise of, of charity. But uh, none of them do as much as the Queen does. The Queen does even more than all of that lot put together. It really is. You know, Charles sort of pretends he's into gardening, but somebody else does it, I think. Uh, Adrian uh, says, uh, truly funny, Rear Peter Andrex. The trouble is, I mean, don't you just think? I mean, you have to laugh. He's bringing out a perfume. He's over 40. He's heading up to 45. I mean, you know, when, when he hits 50, he's going to look a bit like Anton Deck, isn't he? You know, Anton Deck are 40-year-old men pretending that they're 19, 20 and we're still doing Baker Grove. There's, you know, Cheryl Cole, another one, refuses to sort of, you know, let the fact that she's an old, twice-married woman with failed marriages uh, interfere with the fact that she's got a, a young, fit boyfriend of 22. So, of course, you know, they're bouncing around all over the bedroom, I should imagine, at the moment. And when it all finishes, which it will, which it will. Actually, have you noticed, oh, I can now almost confirm... But it's only because of uh, hearsay that One Direction will not be getting back together. OK, uh, whatever you might read in the newspapers, they've just taken themselves off as directors of a company. Mainly because people were accusing them of doing a little bit of creative accounting. And they didn't want to be accused of creative accounting. So they've taken themselves off the board of directors of this company, which they were all part of, including Zayn Malik. And people say that kind of proves that they're, they're not going to get back together again. I never thought they were. I seriously never thought they were. And let's face it, they haven't actually done anything. The only person who's done anything was sort of Zayn Malik. But that was uh, that was after, wasn't it? He sort of went off and sort of faffed around doing London clubs and everything else. Whether he has another successful album, let me let me put my money on the table. Oh, wait a minute, I haven't got any money. OK, I'll put, put my phone down. Um, I don't think he'll have a second album. I don't think there'll be a second album. I'd be very surprised. I don't see any future in the music business. I think the, the fans have moved away. They'll go for other groups. Who are they going for now? I don't know. I seriously don't know. I, normally, this building's a very good indicator because you get the girls camping outside 
and uh, and you see the groups coming in the building. And it's, there's rarely a day goes by where there are not celebrities who wander in and out of the building. They're either coming in for me or for many of our other radio stations. So I, I don't know who the, who the latest heartthrobs are. But uh, what, what has Harry Styles done? Nothing. What, what, is, what has Niall Horan done? Nothing. What's Louis Tomlinson done? Nothing. No, nothing. They haven't done anything at all. So that's why. Are they going to get back together? Of course not. They don't even talk to each other now. Why would, why would the body getting back together again? I think that's what happens when you spend a lot of time with each other and you're pushed around from pillar to post and they go here and you do this and you do that and you, you, you will be here at this time. This car will pick you up then. It was like Louis Walsh looking after Westlife. They must have been exhausted. You know, some mornings they'd be up at three o'clock. You've got to appear on television and you'll be singing the latest hit single and you've got to look smart. And they were literally shunted around. I mean, sometimes when I used to, to talk to these uh, groups years ago when I had a big enough studio, which hopefully I will have again very shortly, um, you could see the exhaustion on their faces. It was almost like a case of this is almost a bit of a rest sitting down, but we'd rather be home in bed. And so we did have a we did have a chat to Westlife. We did have a chat to them and uh, find out what the you know what what the sort of state of play was. And they worked them hard. One Direction were worked harder than Westlife, I suspect. But of course, it's paid dividends because look at the amount of money that they've got. What do they reckon? Fifteen to eighteen million pounds each. Fifteen to eighteen million pounds each. But that's got to last them the rest of their life, which of course it will. You know, there's no unless unless they're going to be really stupid and start splashing out on multi-million pound properties, which I think is very unlikely. But uh, whether they get back together again, my money is on absolutely not, absolutely not getting back together again. They don't need to. Simon Cowell will be looking throughout this uh, next series of Britain's Got Talent, uh, which of course we turn out not to be. It's the European circuses that have the talent, uh, or the X Factor, to try and find another group or at least a group of young men that you can put together. And then you assemble something, you give them the songs to sing, and you end up with another supergroup like One Direction, who must have turned over hundreds of millions of pounds. Very, very successful. Possibly his most successful yet, I think. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk because uh, very shortly we'll head up to the news. But you don't need to worry about that, actually. You don't need to worry about the news at the moment. Uh, we will go through the papers. Isn't it amazing that there's been two dreadful stories? First of all, there's the story of that child who was abducted by two 13-year-olds, which kind of made... And I, I couldn't quite get my head around two 13-year-olds. And then now there's a boy and girl, age 14, charged over the murder of a dinner lady and her daughter. A 14! It makes you wonder whether or not the whole world has gone absolutely barking mad. You know, what, what is going on? Well, you know, when I was 13, 14, I was sort of playing with toys, I think. Come trying to cast your mind back what you were doing when you were 13 or 14. Difficult, isn't it? When you get a little bit older, you, um, you, sort of, you start forgetting certain things. So I've, got, I've noticed with a few friends of mine, and I've done it as well, that they, they start telling me a story, and I think, no, you, you told me this story the other day. <laughs> but you don't like to say anything, so I sit there and happily listen to it again, which I think is quite, uh, quite sweet of me. Uh, oh, apparently, oh, it's nice, isn't it? Oh, Darren, Darren has left some biscuits and nougat. In the usual place. Lovely. It'll be useful, won't it? Take your teeth out and your fillings out at the same time and uh, have a sugar rush. with. But what sort of biscuits were they? Were they nice biscuits? You don't know. Have they gone already? It's outrageous. That'll be that, that child reading the news, won't it, out there? He'll have been pinching the biscuits. I can just tell, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at Tom wants to know whether I was a mod, a rocker or a soul head. Well, I think I was probably going to be a soul head. I had the tonic trousers, I had the crombie, I had the handkerchief in the top pocket, held in with a with a tie pin, 
And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I had my, <coughs> my Ben Sherman shirt. So, definitely wouldn't have been uh, anything else. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, just wondering if you're still off to LA, as you stopped mentioning it. I've never mentioned I was going to LA. When did you hear that? And at one point you kept talking about LA and going with your mate. No? And things said, why would I want to go to LA? God, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, 84850. Do you ever watch the, the Gary Shandling show? It says, I can't bear American shows like that. And that was one of the ones I couldn't cope with at all. He's dead anyway, isn't he, Gary Shandling? He died. But uh, no, never interested me, those sort of things. Never interested me at all. I'm more interested in the fact that it's coming up to five o'clock and you're all supposed to be getting out of bed and sort of throwing yourselves into the shower because otherwise you're going to be late. The hottest spell of the year is on the way, they tell us. The BA jet hit by the drone. The dad who's found that Roman villa is only putting in an electricity cable by himself, which sounds a little bit uh, disturbing. Uh, he's found the Roman villa, but he's not going to let anybody dig up the home. I don't know whether you have the right to... Uh, to do that, we'll find out. The fly tipper caught on hidden camera. Steve Davis has retired. There you go. Shocking news of the day. The black soldier suing the MOD over injuries caused by the cold. And Brooklyn's birthday gift. He's had his hair braided. That's the riveting excitement that goes on in the Beckham family. Somebody else, sort of Harper, probably sneezed or something like that. And the end of secret celebs. Will they be named today? We'll find out. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Monday morning, the 18th of April, as we rocket through the month. Uh, Bradley Walsh nicks Michael Barrymore's act. It was the uh, the hand jive thing on the front of the stage. Uh, Boaty McBoatface has won the poll, but will it be used? The answer is, I think not. Mario Falcone will not get back with Lucy Mecklenburg. Staggering news of the day. Uh, you can copy the Duchess's royal tour style, as people will. Cheryl's ex has broken his silence. Truth hurts, doesn't it, Cheryl, he said. She's always been fairly economical with it. And Elton John, a very generous celebrity. He's given nearly £30 million to his own charity, the Elton John AIDS Foundation. And the real cost of the royals going to India? £270,000. You paid. You paid. All of that and the scandal of the doctors struck off. 75% of them come in from abroad. Uh, and uh, it's all going on on Britain's Got Talents. Turns out the ballet sensation. They're always sensations, aren't they? Turns out to be the uh, wicked singer's cousin. Couldn't make it up, could you, really? And uh, Peter Andre flogs, uh, flogs his uh, perfume in Reading. So uh, it's nice, isn't it, really? And uh, apparently uh, Cheryl has a charity trust with Greg's. Yes, I mean, uh, I think she did something a short while ago, didn't she? And it was something to do with their, uh, it's something to do with her charity, which supports disadvantaged people in the North East. Um, but you have to eat chocolate cake and stuff like that. So I'm not really sure whether or not that kind of works for me. I'm sure it works for her. I'm sure it's absolutely fantastic. But, uh, you know, it's the way people do things nowadays. Uh, a lot of you agreeing with me that you, you think the royal family is going to dumb down, literally, after after the Queen dies. I mean, she so, shows no sign of slowing down at all. She doesn't even seem to be affected by illness, does she? She seems to be going, and you think at 90, you know, I've, I've seen people, you know, <laughs> about the age of 45. Uh, 84850, steve at And uh, Another one here says, I had to stop watching Jeremy Kyle. You can hardly follow what he's going on about when they all talk at once. He seems to have lost the plot. Yes, I mean, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And he does shout. He does, he does shout, actually, quite a lot. 
quite a lot. Uh, which, of course, is slightly disturbing. I don't know why he shouts all the time. We do have microphones. And um, it's sort of, it's not, uh, it's not sort of anything to be proud of, I don't think. Uh, Another one here, uh, which is, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute, I've lost the blooming thing here. Sometimes I've, oh, that's right. I've discovered all sorts, I'm learning all sorts of things on this computer. I can learn how to sort of uh, delete somebody. I can learn how to make the writing bigger, which is actually very good. Very good. Uh, Abby's in Surrey, who says, I've just turned the radio on to hear you say you and Katie Hopkins are alike, which I agree with. Do you seriously think that, capital letters, that's always a sign of some sort of illness, uh, is something to be proud of? You don't need to answer that. It's a rhetorical question. Of course it is. You're writing to us, Abby. But you haven't quite tweaked to that one, have you? You've got to work that one out by yourself. There you go. Are you male or female? Difficult to tell, actually, really. I suspect you're probably female. Um, another one here. And uh, this is Phyllis in Essex, and she says, Steve, you, like the rest of the media, completely overlooked the fact that the Queen was looking after two young boys whose mother had just been killed. What are you droning on about, dear? What are you droning on about? <laughs> the Queen was looking after them. Really? Well, there you go. That's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. She said, uh, who, whose mother had just been killed. Uh, any decent grandmother would put them before a crowd of hysterical idiots who thought they were more important. Um, have a father, you know, to, to sort of point out the patently obvious to you, Phyllis. I don't want to make you out to be a little bit, uh, little bit silly, but uh, no, they, they, they have a father. And uh, I don't think the Queen was looking after them, was she? I think they have an army of people anyway at the, uh, at the palaces to look after people. You don't think the Queen sort of sits there nursing them, do you? I mean, you can't be that stupid, surely not. Uh, somebody else saying, I can't follow the Jeremy Kyle show because I lose track of where we're coming from. I agree with you, actually. I agree. I can't sometimes follow it. But we do know he's Mr. Shouty Shouty Man, uh, which is always good. I like the idea the hottest spell of the year is on the way. Thank goodness it's been cold the other day. Absolutely cold. I mean, it really was. Uh, Another one here, which is talking about uh, Monday morning. And uh, David in Streatham uh, says, I'm all packed and ready to go to the Canary Islands for two weeks. He says, so I'm taking all the podcasts of your show. Uh, to keep me entertained during the flight and on the beach. Good Lord, I think you'll find other things to make you a bit more excited on the beach than listening to a podcast of this programme. <laughs> I mean, mind you, I, I always recommend people listening to the, uh, to the podcast and downloading. And they are, they're free. There's a free podcast every day for you, which is Steve Allen's Little Bit Extra, Ooh, which is very, very popular. And then you can download this programme as well. And it goes back about three years. The producer very kindly takes out the adverts, the news and the travel for you. And you end up with just the programme. Uh, right, front pages of the papers. The uh, the Britain's Got Talent ballet sensation. He's just a kid who dances. He's not a sensation. You know, this, this over-hyping of people by the newspapers, I think is highly dangerous. Uh, he's, he turns out to be Bo's cousin, as they're sort of related. Oh, look, another picture of Mylene Class in a bikini. Does she ever do anything apart from just put a bikini on? I've seen her in here in her pyjamas. Don't ask me how, but I just have. Uh, the Depths turn up in Australia. Do you remember? They, they, he, he's over there filming Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, the missus turns up with two dogs on a private jet, smuggles them into the country. Somebody sees them and goes, what is she doing? Has she heard of quarantine? Perhaps she's not bright. Perhaps she's not intelligent. Anyway, the, the Australians go mental for this one. Absolutely mad. What do you think you're doing? We're going to have you barred. The dogs will be taken away from you. Blah, 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 blah. She, she gets out of the country. I'm never going back to Australia. Anyway, back they go. And they arrive by private jet uh, at Queensland's Gold Coast. And um, 
And so she's been given 50 hours to get the dogs out of Australia or risk them being put down. Serious breach of quarantine. Anyway, they've dropped all the charges. Because the Australians are quite nice like that, you know. In between singing songs about your didgeridoo and uh, once a jolly swag man, they're actually quite nice people. And they're all attractive. Have you noticed? All Australians are sort of attractive, you know. Well, the attractive ones are attractive. They're, they're the ones on the television. The, the unattractive ones are the ones who are probably flying planes and things like that. And so uh, they've got over there and they've all managed to milk it for the publicity which they were after in the first place. So it's gone. They've, she said very sorry. And they've gone, that's OK. And uh, I do have an Australian producer tomorrow. Well, I say he's Australian. He's sort of Australian via... Oh, it's another one, is it? Oh, right. Oh, she's back, is she? Oh, right. Oh, blimey. Oh, she's doing tomorrow. Is she doing the next day as well? Oh, right. <coughs> so, so many Austra- I'm surrounded by Australians, honestly. I, f- I feel partly Australian myself, actually. Well, not really. I just made that bit up to make myself sound more interesting. Uh, what else have we got in the papers? Uh, we've got the uh, wits not over. Senior Tories racing to the fence of John Whittingdale, who obviously likes a bit of uh, action from the other side. And so Stephanie Hudson also said he broke rules by texting a picture of ministers during a private lunch. And uh, as I say, she's, I don't know what she is, actually. Oh, she's uh, Booby Twins. She starred, apparently, in the cable TV series Hotel Erotica. (laughs) Class act, isn't it? Class act. I'm surprised you're not on Babe Station, dear. Another class act, isn't it? But uh, she claimed Mr Whittingdale knew of her past and tried to keep their trysts secret. Darling, anybody could see your past only by looking at you. It's the makeup. It's the badly bleached hair. It's the desperately clinging on to an old man, which is uh, quite nice. But uh, they say he also had a, a relationship with a dominatrix. He obviously likes those sort of people, doesn't he? He obviously uh, is attracted to that. Oh, I couldn't care less. He just makes himself look a little bit silly. And um, Miss Hudson is one half of the topless act, the Booby Twins, with her sister Samantha. Wait till you see the picture in the paper of the sister Samantha. I mean, seriously, you will doubt... You will doubt the world's sanity in, you know, these are the booby twins. I think booby because they're just, uh, they're a bit sad. Just a little bit sad. What else do I have here? Oh, yes, the uh, the threesome gag. The judges will rule today. I was hoping it was going to come in this morning on this programme so I could sort of do it, but uh, it won't. It'll come in much, much later on. But that doesn't matter. I'm sure at some point, by the end of this week, if not sooner, uh, we will know about it. Uh, then you've got the uh, the ballet star. Uh, this is Jack Higgins, 14, who put on his uh, little thing. Then he burst into tears at the end, which is quite a sort of... Uh, it's an emotional thing to do, isn't it? And so they all seem to like him. His mother really had done nothing to herself at all. You thought if she's going to appear on the television, she might have tarted herself up a little bit. The hair looked like it had been seriously uh, brought out of Stick of the Dump. Or at the very least, Aunt Sally. It was dreadful condition, dreadful condition. And she'd had T-shirts printed with Go Jack. Something is slightly disturbing, but anyway, I don't know really where he can go. You know, I, I don't really know what the act is, but they all got there. I also can't quite work out what Ant and Deck do there. Do they just stand in the wings, turning around to the camera to do their little bits to camera, which are then sort of inserted in, and then and and that's it? Because I don't, I don't see the point of it really. You don't need them. You really don't need them. There's no reason why they're there because they don't actually do anything apart from you know, oh, you did well. Oh, they like that. They like that. We can see they liked it. We're not blind. Cheryl's, uh, Cheryl's ex has had a bit of a rant about her. Jean-Bernard Fernandez-Vassini has vented his anger over claims that she cheated on him. The Sun on Sunday revealed yesterday how pals have told JB, as he's called, that Cheryl <coughs> excuse me, was seeing uh, Leanne Payne in October, two months before their marriage split. Uh, she said not. 
And he's then issued a, a thing on his Twitter which says, uh, since months, papers, sources, lawyers, PR management team and others have been trying to uh, intimate me, intimidating. I think he means intimidating, actually. I've heard so many lies about me, my family that can't answer any more, and my situation. I have never seen anybody standing up and defend me by telling the truth. I guess because it wasn't in their interest. And now, suddenly, when the truth comes out from nowhere, capital letters, because the truth always comes out, certain people that love to say that they don't comment on their private life can't help themselves. Oh, you can't shut her up. She's like a canary. She is 32 with two failed marriages. So, I mean, you can't really trust her. What did the judge describe her as some, some years ago? I think violent thug. I mean, to be honest with you, she looks like butter wouldn't melt. But, I mean, you know, I look like butter wouldn't melt as well. And uh, so he's, he's basically saying the truth hurts. And, you know, and she goes, do you remember when, when she was thin? Uh, she doesn't have any comment on it. You know, and then, of course, it's stories all over the place. I mean, to be honest with you, she's nothing short of tedious. I'm so glad she's gone from the X Factor. Now maybe we can get a decent programme. Because, but I've read something from one of the uh, columnists who said, oh, the programme will miss her and the audience will tail off. No, it'll only tail off if, uh, if Louis Walsh and uh, Sharon Osbourne can't give you what we're expecting them to give us, which is honest opinions. Cheryl doesn't know anything about the music business at all. Not a, not a clue. Not a clue. There's no point in asking you. You might as well ask my, my producer to go down there. He probably stands as much chance of telling you about somebody than she did. She was just sitting there like sort of an absolute delight of hair and makeup. And that was about it. Oh, he said he'll do it. There you go. And probably for free. Probably for free. I, oh, not for free. 20 quid a programme? 50. 100? 150. Any of those. All of them put together. OK. Fiverr. He'll do it for a fiver. Or failing that, a curry and a cab fare or Chinese takeaway or something like that. would be quite nice, wouldn't it? I could eat some spicy beef now. I don't know why. Try and take away this blasted cough, I think. Quarter past five. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. We're just looking at Johnny Depp's uh, two adorable little dogs. I mean, they really are quite adorable, actually. They're about the right size I can cope with. But uh, everybody pushing and shoving as he and the wife go into court over there. Joel Dry is uh, is one of the uh, reporters over there. He's sort of he's typical classic good-looking Australian, blonde, pearly white teeth, and as far as you can see, no lines on his face because he's thirteen. That's why. Anyway, coming up with Nick Ferrari at uh, breakfast this morning with the Euro vote polls tightening and David Cameron's ratings taking a hit. The Remain camp has turned to Barack Obama for some stardust. But should the US president even have a say and will it make a difference? It's National Offer Day for primary school pupils. We'll tell you what you need to do if your child hasn't got their first choice. This is where parents have to sort of be a little bit devious to get kids into school. We had it in our place. We had somebody who'd uh, put down that they actually lived there with their children to get them into a local school. And, of course, it was lies because there was no child there at all. Uh, some private schools are being forced to introduce calm-down lessons for anxious parents worried about the kids' exams. Should they be rolled out across the state sector too? God, what a bunch of ninnies we are. And the foreign affairs analyst and LBC presenter Tim Marshall will be in the studio with Nick to take a look through today's papers. That's Nick at breakfast from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. So how much did it cost the, uh, the taxpayer-funded holiday to India? A private holiday for Wills and Kate, £270,000. That's what they've said. And that includes, you know, all the people there. And they did all the usual sort of things. They painted an elephant. It was all carefully choreographed, uh, culminating in the sitting outside the Taj Mahal on the bench to recreate the picture of his mother from all those years ago. And so they, they played cricket. Uh, they, had, they played with a children's bow and arrow. And they painted an elephant and they fed an elephant and they fed a rhinoceros. And it was just a jolly 
I don't actually see the point of it. I could understand it if it was their honeymoon and they'd gone there, then I could understand that. But, I mean, a picture of two people who don't really have a lot to say for themselves just seemed a bit of a waste of time for me. A te- tediously bit boring. But, you know, I'm sure some people liked it. I'm sure they, they had a nice time and they'll have loads of nice pictures to take. Neil in Fulham says, I like, I like the new Saturday time slot for In Conversation. Yes, I think it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's so much better on Saturday morning than it was on Sunday morning. So it means that you get the best of Steve Allen between five and six. Between six and seven, it's in conversation. And uh, it's another cracker this week. Uh, last week, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We talked about Jungle Book. Not that we ever mentioned Jungle Book on the programme, because I thought it was... Have you seen it yet? No, you haven't had a chance. Producer's going to go see it. It's, it's so clever. So clever because of this CGI... Uh, which is sort of created images. So you think the thing's there, but of course it isn't. The kid's, the kid's probably talking to a cushion or something. Or in one other case, he's talking to a glove puppet being held up and the camera's behind him. And then they just superimpose all this stuff around him. Most of it done in this country. All the superimposing was done over here. Clever, isn't it? Uh, another one here that says, uh, on, on a programme I listened to, they look back at uh, obituaries for famous people between January and March. In 2012... 9,000, oh, sorry, 9, I don't know, is it 9,000, I don't understand what this is. Anyway, it sort of goes up. And they reckon it may be because all the people that appeared on television and radio in the 60s and 70s have reached old age. Before the advent of television, were just film stars, not many of them. (coughs) I never thought I'd be sitting here saying that Terry Wogan's died. Seriously. I never thought that would be happening. I've spoken to loads of other people. Ronnie Corbett, again, you just you just assume that all these people are going to go on forever. You expect them to go on forever. The uh, the funeral is today for Ronnie. It's going to be held over at Shirley in Croydon, which is where he lived. He had a place up in the Highlands as well. And uh, I hope that his wife, uh, Annie, is, uh, is better. She's not been in the best of health. Uh, Bruce Forsyth uh, can't be there because he's not very well either. But uh, there will be a load of other people there. And then I suppose at some point over the next two weeks, we'll have David Guest's funeral. And that'll drag out all of them, won't it? That that really will drag out the people that you go, oh, right, are they just here for a photo opportunity? Yes, they are. They are. And we're still waiting for the the will to be read, if indeed there is a will. We're not sure. A lot of people predicting he's going to be absolutely flat broke. But he bought a flat in York. I don't know why. York's quite nice, actually. But um, if he's broke, how on earth did he afford it? Uh, Anthony Warren thompson had to uh, apologise for using the foot word in front of young kids at a food festival. He swore a total of four times during a demonstration to the 300-strong audience. And uh, at first joking about the bad language, uh, the 64-year-old said afterwards to the crowd, my apologies, I've realised why I'm swearing. It's because my wife isn't here and she doesn't let me swear. <laughs> it's easy to do, isn't it? It's very... I'm surprised, actually. That on this programme, but I mean, you should, my boss should thank the Lord for this one, that I haven't managed to slip out the names of the people with the injunction. It's only because it's so easy to do, because you, you know, it's because it's in the public domain. Well, it is in every other country, uh, except for here, which is interesting. What else we got in the bizarre column today? Uh, not a lot, Naomi Campbell, very boring. Uh, Alicia Dixon, apparently Mystique are thinking of touring again. Girl, it's like, bring up your dead, isn't it, really? What are they doing, going around local cemeteries, digging these people up? And uh, another one here. This is uh, All Saints, because their album's gone straight to number three. I know. Is it, is it a case if they all finish and they all faff around like, you know, like buffoons? And then they go, oh, should we reform? And, and people go, no, pl- please don't. And now Mystique are thinking of reforming. I don't know, that sounds quite boring to me as well. And uh, also, Kevin Sims's former bandmates had double the reason to celebrate when he won The Voice, because... Um, Liberty X are reforming 
off the back of his telly talent show, and they've already lined up their first gig. Michelle Heaton, foul-mouthed old baggage of the worst order. I remember her coming downstairs doing one of these uh, dinner parties, going, oh, I am putting knickers on. I thought, oh, God, you're as naff as I thought you were. Tony London, Jessica Taylor and Kelly Young. Oh, that's Liberty. Well, I couldn't have told you their names. Could you have told me their names? I wouldn't have known that. No idea, Rue. And we've heard of Michelle Heaton, because she's just a bit, you know, naff. Tony London, Jessica Taylor, I think he's married to a, um, a thing as well. Also, other groups who they think could come around, Bewitched and Atomic Kitten. Oh, my Godfathers. We've really scraped the barrel. But uh, Kevin's solo career has not got off to the great start. It's hit single All You Good Friends, entering the charts at 24. In other words, nobody's interested. It's a TV programme. You're not... You're obviously... You've, you're obviously taken more to this programme of mine. And I've been banging on for years, going, these programmes are only designed to get you to go and buy a record from somebody who you weren't even interested in until they popped up on the television again. The only person who's done really well out of it is Alid Jones. Alid Jones has done phenomenally well with his album. Phenomenally well. Um, another one here. And, uh, Steve, bit of breaking news for you, says Rob. I've just seen somebody scaling Nelson's column. Police are on the scene. Really? For the thing to do. How do you scale Nelson's column, for God's sake? How would you do that? Or would you put a ladder up the side of it or something and start climbing up it? I used to get scared when Blue Peter used to go up there to sort of clean it at the top. And I used to look at it and think, oh, I couldn't climb up there. Seriously. <laughs> I get sweaty palms even thinking about it. Uh, well, anyway, let's hope they don't fall off. Uh, Steve, come on, be fair. The Queen was hounded back to London by a nation which had totally lost its sanity when Diana died. No, she was hounded back to London by the press. By the press. You know, it's, uh, that's what it is. I'm sorry if you don't un understand, Janice, you know, exactly what the facts are. It was the press that got her back there. And, uh, and she says, as for William, you don't have to be medically trained to fly an air ambulance. And, uh, no, he's been... And then she comes up with the stupidest line ever. <laughs> she says, if you think being a helicopter pilot is such a doddle, let's see if... He's not a helicopter pilot, he's an assistant pilot, dear. And he's not medically qualified. And the reason... You really don't understand anything, do you? It's not your fault. But he was helping that man. He went with him to hospital, don't you remember? As if he was medically qualified. <laughs> but there you go. And, of course, uh, the Queen was hounded back by the press. So, thank you, Jan. I'm glad. We found something else. What did we think it was? Did we think it... Where, where do you think we could move things to? I can't remember where we, where we lost somebody else to. Do you remember when we sort of... Oh, that, that comes... Sorry, that's in another box, isn't it? Was that in... Was it Clutter? I can't find it on here, actually. I'm sure it'll be round here somewhere. In the meantime, let's just pop her in there. There you go. Makes it easier for us. Yes, I would just, yes. Well, she was too stupid for words. I can't, I can't cope with somebody who's really a bit thick. You know, I don't mind somebody being sort of averagely stupid, you know, but when, when somebody really is thick, you know, and doesn't understand anything about the royal family at all, and is obviously somebody who is, you know, thinks it was conspiracy theory and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it's a bit dreary. A bit dreary. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, we had the... Uh, the oh, actually, this was one that uh, Beverly Turner did the other day about British kids who have a worse diet than many of the world's poorest... And you know why? It's fast food. And I'm as guilty as the next one. It's fast food everywhere you go. The whole of the high street is geared to fast food. Greg's are just going to be selling sandwiches and soup very shortly. It's designed for fast food. Pizzas are everywhere. Pizzas are absolutely everywhere. You cannot move for pizza shops. And the reason is because they're so cheap to produce. And there's so much profit on them. You know, a pizza that sells for nine ninety nine has probably cost less than a pound to make. 
So that that's how cheap. And so you can see, I saw it, I, I parked next and I was sitting at a traffic light the other day. And there was one of those cheap pizza shops that uh, opens up where the hygiene standards look less than desirable. Let's just put it that way. And uh, they do reasonably well when the kids are at college in Twickenham. But the rest of the year they sit there. The locals avoid them like the plague. How they, how they make up the money, I've got no idea. And, um, and they were doing, what was it, a seven-inch pizza with two toppings. So that'll be, that'll be tomato and uh, cheese. And they were doing it with a drink as well. And it was £2.50. Well, I mean, you can work out for yourself, can't you, that the can of drink has probably cost them about 20 pence or something. It's not going to be a can of branded stuff, because that's going to cost a little bit more. So it's going to cost about 20 pence for that, and then the rest of it is going to be made up on a, on a cheap pizza base, probably frozen, and a little bit of what is laughingly called cheese, and some substandard tomato ketchup-type stuff. So uh, that's how they can sell it for £2.50 and make a profit. You shouldn't touch these places with a barge pole. You really shouldn't. LBC News Time, 5.30. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I had a quick look at the, uh, the picture, which I think uh, Simon sent in. Yes, yeah, Simon did. And uh, we think they're filming Simon. We think they're because fi- otherwise I'm trying to work out for those people who don't live in London. It's just down the road from here. Simon's a licensed black cab driver, so of course he's in the ideal situation. And they've got ropes at the top. Well, I mean, how oh, God's name do you get ropes at the top? You wouldn't get me up there. So that's why we think it's it's probably a bit of filming or something like that. But it's interesting, isn't it? It makes me feel ill. Seriously, thinking about it, absolutely makes me feel ill because I've watched it before. I don't even like scaffolding. I'm fairly scared of scaffolding. It always looks like it's going to collapse to me. But this one, they've got ropes at the top. So what do they do? Hover over with a helicopter and then put on a rope. Oh, God, I don't want to think about it. Otherwise, how would you get the rope up there? There must be some... There's not a staircase inside it, is there? No. Oh, God. Don't even want to think about it. If anybody knows more about it... Uh, Paul says... Uh, he says, you're asking, how do you scale Nelson's column? Well, Nelson got up there. I know. Yes. <laughs> I quite like it. I mean, don't you think it's a bit iconic? Aren't you pleased that we live in London? For those of us that, uh, that do, for the rest of you, you must be very jealous because we've got it all here. We've got Buckingham Palace, we've got the Queen, uh, we've, got, we've got everything. We've got the guards, we've got the Houses of Parliament, we've got, you know, statues to everybody famous, we've got Nelson's Column, we've got, uh, we've got drunks, we've got people who wee in doorways, we've got, uh, we've got just about everything, actually. I like London, though, it's, it's, it's a good what they call cosmopolitan mixture. It's turning a bit naff recently, I noticed the other day. That uh, that you do see more and more people drinking by the side of the road. You do see more and more empty bottles everywhere. And you do see more and more people completely off their faces. I think Louis Theroux has done a programme about the drunkenness. And at one point, the bloke who he's interviewing in a park turns on him. And uh, they, they've done it in the, in the way that it, uh, it, it will sell the programme, because they say, and we don't know what happened to Louis. Of course they do. They were filming the blooming thing. <laughs> Katerina, no chance. No chance at all. No chance. But, uh, but you must listen, actually. Very, very good programme. <coughs> That's um, Katie Hopkins on a Sunday on LBC, just putting the world to rights. And actually, everything, as she says... And she had a full switchboard all the way through the programme. I'm not interested in one or two people who don't like her because they still listen. And that's what she said. Thank you very much indeed for sort of writing to me and uh, all this abuse. At least, it, at least I know you're listening, which of course they are, which is so funny. But uh, no, no, she, was, she had a jam-packed switchboard. I couldn't believe it as well. I was thinking about it, and everybody wanted to talk to her. I don't think there was anybody who disagreed with her yesterday. There was a couple of people who tried, but then by the time she dissected their argument, it didn't work at all. So if you haven't heard it before, give it a whirl. That's on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock 
on LBC. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Yes, Simon, sorry, I did mention Simon, who's proud to be European. Gosh, I never thought, I never thought about that, actually. I don't, I don't feel as I'm sort of anything at all, really. I don't, I don't feel as though I belong. I'm not, I'm not sort of Scottish. I'm not, uh, I'm not Welsh. Do I think I'm European? <sighs> I don't know. What you, you think you're European, do you? I don't want to be European. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I want to be, actually. I want to be eating fish and chips. That's what I know. I could, is it healthy to eat fish and chips in the morning? Absolutely not. Is it abs- No, it's not. But the trouble is, why does it why does it sound so good? Here we go. The reality star turned fitness guru. If you buy into this guff, you're a bigger fool than I thought you were. And here she is, Charlotte Crosby, Britain's most unlikely. I mean, really, this is just absolute rubbish. It's a book, and uh, she says here, this is. I mean, this is how you sell a diet. I passed wind, wet the bed, had lesbian sex on television, but my only regret is being so fat. So what they do is they, they put them on these really fast diets very quickly so that they can flog a book. And so they go, and you too can look like her. Well, if you look at the picture of her, you can tell that she's holding her hand across her amply fat stomach. You could see that this is not a flat stomach. If this is airbrushing, it's gone horribly wrong. And all they've come up with is the same old stuff. Goat's cheese frittata. Chicken and prawn stir-fry. Chicken and tomato. Are the people of this country so mad that they can't actually come up with something that isn't fattening? Oriental spicy chicken broth. You know, uh, Charlotte's mantras. Like you're going to take any notice of somebody who has laid claim to all the things I've just laid before you. If my mates can do it, I can do it too. If I want a piece of cheese, I'll have a piece of cheese. Then not use a rude word. A hangover is no excuse not to exercise. It's just garbage. Utter garbage. It really is. It's embarrassing, really. I feel I feel so sorry that they're, they're trying to flog something, too. But as I say, there's probably the same people who like, you know, going out and buying Jordan's books. We were going through this website. No, it wasn't. It was an app the other day on how much people are worth. And it had, it had Jordan down as 40 million. I thought, she's got nowhere near 40 million. Why would she have 40 million? And a friend of mine said, because all her books have been bestsellers. I said, she wouldn't earn very much for that. She never wrote anything. She's never written anything in her life. And most of her stuff doesn't do very well. You know, if she was a multi-millionaire, do you think she'd still be having to appear on the television? <sighs> Let me tell you, she needs to be on there. Drone alert, says uh, Ellie. Yes, this is the story on the front page of one of the papers uh, for today, uh, saying that a plane coming into Heathrow Airport was hit by a drone. Um... I find them quite dangerous. I've seen them in, in windows of... In fact, actually, as I go over Waterloo Bridge, there's a shop on the right-hand side, Maplins, and they have drones in the window. So you can obviously just go in and buy... Some of them are quite expensive. They're like a few hundred pounds. And I thought, they've been using them for years. Now, unfortunately, they've got into the hands of... Let's just call them stupid people. And the stupid people fly them around Heathrow Airport and things like that. What they will do, they, they, they will find out where this has come from. It'll have fingerprints on it, of course. These people are not too bright to realise that. And, uh, and they will go round there and they will be arrested because they're endangering life. Because this, this British Airways plane was struck by this unmanned craft. Uh, they think it's the first of its kind. happened yesterday. And uh, the jet was carrying 132 passengers. Uh, now, of course, what you, you look at this and you take this to another level, this could be used by terrorists to launch a, a bomb or an explosion as a plane's coming in to land. So we have to stop these immediately. I think the next thing they'll be doing is banning them. 
That'll be the next thing. Or there'll be some sort of regulation uh, in the same way that we banned those hoverboard things. But I saw a couple of kids the other day in Twickenham on the, on the pavement. Totally illegal. You're not allowed to use them on the road, on the pavement, uh, or anything else like that. Luckily, the police uh, stopped them and confiscated them. You know, stupid parents, I think, allowing kids to have these things, which are highly dangerous. People have been seriously maimed by these batteries blowing up. So uh, hoverboards out. And I think the next thing is it'll be these drones. I mean, they're already not allowed near airports or above 400 feet. I mean, that's just under the CAA's rules. So the next, once the police get involved, we're going to see people in court and they're going to stand there. We had the, was it two we had down in Cornwall at Richard and Judy's place where he rushed out in his boxer shorts to remonstrate with them. They didn't know it was his house. They do now. And so they, they, you know, because these things transmit pictures down. A lot of estate agents use them. I think you'll probably find most of the estate agents in the country going to photograph places use a drone. They take it out of the car. They link it up to their computer. It hovers above the house. They take a picture. of. That's the only way you're going to get them, because I couldn't work out how they were doing them years ago. I thought maybe they've got helicopters. But it turns out that they've got these, uh, these drones which they use, which is great. It's great. But when you get idiots who are allowed to go and buy them, and you can buy them just about anyway, you can buy them in markets, so they're going to be very, very unregulated. Um, I forgot it was Lee Baldry's birthday the other day, so many happy returns to Lee Baldry. He obviously went out with a, with a bunch of sickeningly good-looking people. Mind you, talking of sickeningly good-looking uh, people, uh, it was also my good friend Jonathan Shallot. Professor Shallot's OBE, who had a, a birthday the other day. I think he was complaining about slippers. I think the wife bought him slippers and bought him two left feet or something like whatever it was. He got lots of plaudits from everybody, uh, wishing him a very happy birthday. Because it's nice when you could share your birthday with loads and loads of people. And so many happy returns to Jonathan and to Lee. And if you're celebrating your birthday today, many, many happy returns of the day. And I hope you have a good... I hope you get loads of cards. Because cards is the indicator, isn't it? That you've actually got lots of... Uh, Lots of sort of friends, which is quite nice. Uh, very quickly, actually, we're, we're still trying to find out more uh, on drones, but it does need to be regulated. I mean, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And uh, Jamie in Hong Kong says, I'm just looking outside at my uh, Hong Kong scaffolders on the bamboo. I couldn't or wouldn't do that for a million bucks. We used to watch them years ago. And the, a lot of the ladies in, in Hong Kong used to do the roads. They didn't seem to differentiate at all until you've got ladies with, uh, you know, carrying bags of rocks and everything else. But the scaffolding went up. It was bamboo poles. Seriously, bamboo poles lashed together with other bits of bamboo. It was an art to doing it, but frightened the life out of me. I mean, seriously. So I know what you're thinking, Jamie. I think it's, uh, it's quite clever. <coughs> Steve, um, what's all this astonishing news about Robson Green and the vicar's wife? I know we haven't had a good vicar's wife story for ages. Robson Green meets vicar's wife at gym club, uh, and now she's left the vicar. She sat the vicar down and she said, I'm leaving, and I'm going off with Robson Green. And the vicar was going through a bit of turmoil the other day, and now he's come out and said that uh, he wishes them all the very best for the future, which is nice, isn't it? You know, fantastic. Uh, Maggie says, oh, lucky you. She says London is full of thieves. 50% of babies are born from mothers born abroad. Soon it'll be a foreign capital. We've always been multicultural, haven't we? I thought we'd always been multicultural going back, you know, to the very early days. I mean, admittedly, I think after a while, 
And I don't know what we're going to do with all the Syrian refugees, but I think after a while people will sort of disappear back home again and uh, we sort of get back to sort of normality. I mean, I know that, you know, we have a big problem with thieving. I know we have a big problem with pickpocketing. You've just got to be aware. Life is a little bit different to how it used to be. And, uh, and we just have to adapt. And it's as simple as that. It's, it's no more complicated than adapting and sort of getting on with all sorts of people. Where I live now, there's lots of uh, flats which are rented out to, um, I think we've got Polish, we've got uh, Lithuanian. It's, it's changed completely, literally changed completely. Uh, Robert Lindsay for In Conversation says, Jason, done him, done him. Uh, Cathy says, you're right, Steve, apart from the Queen, the rest of the royals are a lot of freeloaders. William and Kate, one big long holiday. Yes. Uh, when I see a crane, not the bird type, I'll try and guess how far and where it will fall if ever it was to collapse. I remember seeing we've got cranes around Leicester Square because there's lots of building work going on. And I've always found it fascinating when they put the cranes together. And somebody said to me, how are they going to get that crane out? I said, another crane will come in and dismantle the crane. You need two cranes to put a crane up. Ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, here we go. Living the life on the edge. The cabinet minister. Um, he's found all sorts of people. An erotic film star. Stephanie Hudson, part of the, the Booby Twins. She's a bit ancient, but it doesn't matter. And apparently he, he took her to the plush Savoy Hotel where they got drunk on the cheapest red wine. I suppose it's a bit exciting for her. You know, you get your boobs out for a living and then you, you take up with the minister. He's obviously addicted to the danger. He's been out with a dominatrix, uh, some East Europeans, and, uh, and so it goes on. But, I mean, he's old enough and ugly enough to decide who he wants to go out with if that's who he's attracted to. And I have to be honest, the, uh, the Hudson twins, not exactly the best looking I've ever seen in the world. I suppose they have to do something interesting, don't they? And they've made the headline. No doubt they'll feature on a reality show shortly. That's, that's the way it goes, isn't it, really? People sort of appear there, then they become famous. Uh, Cheryl says, I'm no cheat. I can't wait to get rid of this name. Oh, go away, dear. You're so boring. You're so dreary. Why don't you go and stay in the recording studio? And, uh, and what else do we got? Oh, we got a tribute, at last, for a World War II hero. I'll tell you about him in a moment. Time check for you. 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. 11 minutes to... Well, nearly 11 minutes to 6, but I mean, come on, if you're catching a train at 6, run, run like heck. Uh, I'm having a procedure, says M in Croydon, later this morning, so I've not been able to eat since 9 o'clock yesterday. Crikey, what procedure is that? I mean, I do the, the blood fasting, but uh, it doesn't tend to be... I tend to do my fasting when I'm asleep which is cheating. So if I'm going to have a, a big blood test, which I've, I've had one, I think they're after me for another one, which is a bit of a nuisance, um, uh, then what I'll do is I'll, I'll stop eating at six o'clock. In fact, before six o'clock, I've stopped eating by about four o'clock. And so then when I've gone to bed, I go all the way through the morning. And that's so by the time I get to the doctors and I can't take medication or tablets or anything else, uh, it tends to work out quite well. But I can understand how you're feeling just about ready to eat the bedside table. Yes, the blood fasting is not much good, is it, really? And you can't cheat on it because it, it'll, it'll give a false reading for your blood test. So they have to sort of have it clear. I get very confused by things. I mean, seriously, I get confused by it. So here's the tribute to the, um, the last, I think, for a World War II hero. He's a gunner shot down over Berlin during the Second World War. This is Flight Sergeant Ken Chapman, 20. <coughs> Excuse me. And he was... Um, a gunner, as I say, he's been given a funeral after 72 years. He and his six Lancaster crewmates were, in 1944, declared unknown airmen as their bodies were never found. But Ken has now been identified thanks to a project to match 
unclaimed remains. His nephew will go to Berlin with other family members for the send-off. He says, I find it hard to believe we now have closure. He died at 20, and all these years later, after 72 years, they can finally uh, put him to rest. And there's lots of people like that. There's lots of people like that. Probably on battlefields, they, they, you know, they're constantly digging up aircraft where the pilot is still... Still in there. Uh, we're still looking at the uh, this lovely house that this man lives in who's got the Roman villa. I mean, how lovely. What a, I mean, the house itself, I think, is absolutely gorgeous. And they're looking at it. They think it's even bigger than they imagined. But he said, nobody's coming onto my land to start digging it up. But it's been covered over again. Whereas, you know, they, they, they've taken pictures of it. It would be a lovely thing. You don't think it's a hoax, do you? I know, I know we've had these in the past where somebody said, oh, yes, it's a Roman villa. We've covered it over again. You're not seeing it, OK? And you think to yourself, I think this should be a lottery grant. I don't understand why it's not. You know, a lottery grant that means that we could sort of dig it up and preserve it. Or, I mean, but obviously, he doesn't want people on his land. That I can understand. But I think it's really exciting that it's there. You think Time Team would have been out. They've dug four trenches. And uh, it, it'll all be put back together again because you just need to put the stuff on there. But you can see quite clearly the walls. You can see the mosaics. I mean, they've obviously got a drone overhead. The reason I mention that is because I'm looking at overhead pictures of it. And everybody's very exciting. Very excited about it. Even the archaeologists and Heritage England and all that kind of thing. But I just don't want it to stay under the ground. I want to see what these things look like. You know, very rare that we can find Roman villas. So what they've done is they've actually uh, done a drawing and uh, with the help of the computer of what they think it would have looked like. And it would have been some place. This really would have, They think this is possibly one of the largest. They found all these oyster shells. But whatever it is, it's exciting just to find them. He's going to put them in his gallery in London. So he's obviously quite well to do. But it's a lovely... I'm very envious of his house. If I was going to have house envy, this would be it. They found a Roman stone coffin as well with a child's uh, bones in there. There's all sorts of things that they found. It's, I mean, I find it quite fascinating. But as I say, the ones in Turkey were the ones that did it for me. But looking at his house up there, God, it's gorgeous. I, bet it's, I don't even know where it is. I can't remember. But whatever it is, that's a very, very nice, very expensive house. Lily Allen is in the papers today. She's complaining. She was the victim, she says, of a terrifying stalker uh, for about seven years. At one point, he broke into her bedroom. And started screaming at it. Well, that would just... I mean, I'd have thrown myself out the window, I think, if ever that would happen. Uh, anyway, she says that the uh, the police's handling of the case made her feel like a nuisance, not a victim. This was a seven-year campaign of abusive letters, threatening tweets and approaches to her home, studio, family and friends by this stalker. But she claims it wasn't until he stole her handbag that she felt there was any real response from the police. It started in 2000. I would have actually informed the police long before this. Long be- The moment somebody starts sending abusive letters, tweets or emails, straight to the police. Straight to the police. Absolutely. I mean, if somebody's got a mental illness, you need to get them removed and get, you know, get them into prison and some help or something like that. But uh, anyway, one day she said, I forgot to lock the back door. I sat up in bed and the door handle was twisting round. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd have lost the will to live. Lost the will to live. The guy came steaming in. I didn't know who he was. I recoiled and he ripped the duvet off, calling me a rude name. When she realised the handbag was missing, she reported it as a burglary. Uh, This particular man was convicted of harassment and burglary and be sentenced next month. He's, um, He's a man called Alex Gray. He claims to have written her song, The Fear, and left letters to her record company in her flat. But, um... It's, it's ridiculous, because he turned up at one of her concerts with a big banner saying, I wrote that. 
I wrote the fear. And then he started banging on doors and spending nights in her garden. I mean, quite clearly he's got some, some sickness, hasn't he, really? You need to sort these people out very quickly. If ever you get things like that, don't ever. And we've had children before who've contacted LBC, young people who've had bullying at school and nobody knows about it, you go to the police. You know, if you can't talk to your mum and dad, go to the police station. It's as simple as that. You can get these people dealt with quite easily. Quite easily. Uh, Steve, hasn't the injunction story created more interest than had the story run? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course it has. It's, it's because somebody decided that they wanted to suppress this information coming out about somebody whose relationship was... Um, how did they describe it? I can't remember how they described their relationship. They have an open relationship. And for that read, uh, you're together, but you go off with whoever you want. I call it, why not be single again? It doesn't seem to make much point. But anyway, uh, that's what they, they, they choose to do. And then, as you know, if you've read the papers in America, or you've been to Scotland and you've read the papers over there, or you've been to Canada, uh, you can read all about what they get up to with olive oil. And that's nothing to do with Popeye or Sweet Pea. That's the other stuff that you buy in the bottle. I can't imagine why. I mean, it makes my life seem quite dull, really, by, by comparison. Uh, but whether it will come out today, the name, I don't know. That's what the judge is going to decide, because two billion people now know who this person is. Is it going to make the slightest difference? No. Should they have wasted that much money uh, putting it through the courts? I've got no idea. That's their decision. I suppose, you know, if, if you can afford to do something like that, well, you do it. I just don't don't quite understand what the what the end result is that people will know about it and it'll be in the papers if the if the judge rules that it can be by the end of the week and then you'll be able to read all the things that everybody else has been able to read but I promise you it's really quite dull it's really not half as exciting as you uh, as you think it is uh, what else we got here oh Axel Rose I think he's in Guns and Roses but he's now going to join ACDC as their replacement singer uh, because uh, you remember Brian Johnson who's the ACDC. Do you know he's 68? How old are these groups? Was it... You have to correct me on this one, because I might not have got this wrong. ACDC, did they used to have somebody called Angus with them, or was that another group, who used to dress up as a schoolboy? Angus Young. He used to wear little shorts on stage and, like, a little... Oh, right. Well, how old's he? If this other one's 68, I'm fascinated to know how, how old the other ones are. 61. Is he really? Good Lord. Well, there you go. 61. The trouble is, you just have this image in your mind, don't you, of when you see people. It was, I'm saying yesterday on the programme, when I looked at the pictures of Phil Sayer, who I used to work with, he was the voice of Mind the Gap, uh, which, you know, you've got to be famous for something, and he was famous for the voice of Mind the Gap. And my image of Phil Sayer is completely different to the image of the 62-year-old man that I saw in the papers, because I knew him as a young guy of 19, 18, 19, when he was not very tall, very tight little um, jeans and long hair, almost hippie-like, almost hippie-like. And, uh, and then when you see another picture of him, you try and visualise what he looked like as a, as a younger person. Interesting. Angus's brother Malcolm uh, was also in ACDC, but he retired a couple of years ago because he's got dementia. He's 63. Dear, honestly. It's this horrible 60s, isn't it? I've suddenly realised that the 60s are pretty, pretty ropey, actually, all round. I'm hoping to be here tomorrow. <laughs> Seats at all prices. <laughs> Seats at all prices. Uh, I must tell you about the, uh, the fly tipper, because I haven't actually mentioned his name up until now, which I thought was actually ra- rather good of me. I thought I was, uh, I thought I was you know, being quite clever, mentioning the story. This is the, the fly tipper. 
And we all know what a blight on the countryside these, uh, these scum are. And this particular one goes out there, and they've got a, a little place where people go fly tip. They just think that they drive down a lane, and they just dump all this stuff by the side of the road, then they drive off, you know, laughing. Ha, 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 we've sort of blighted the countryside. Uh, in this particular case, the council thought they'd be clever, and they put up a camera. And the camera was there to catch people fly tip because once one person fly tips, they all start doing it. So this particular bloke thought he was being very, very clever, and uh, he fly tipped. Then he made the mistake. He went back to the same place, and this time they actually caught him uh, because they got the car number plate. So he goes into court and he gets fined two hundred and fifty-one pounds uh, with a thousand pounds costs as well. So that was very exciting. I was very pleased by that. I, I like a story with a happy ending. I like uh, like dining out on other people's misery. Do you know Elkie Brooks is 71? My favourite song from Elkie Brooks was Lilac Wine, incidentally. It was the only record I had about seven copies of because each one came with a fault. Lilac, 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 lilac. In the end, I went, oh, for goodness sake, take the blooming things back and uh, get another one. And then I met her. And I thought, blimey, I've uh, interviewed Elkie Brooks, who used to be with a group called Vinegar Joe all those years ago. Anyway, uh, Mylene Class goes in the pool in a bikini. In a bikini, I do beg your pardon. A little bit of indigestion now, getting excited about Mylene Class, which is most unlike me. Boaty McBoatface wins the poll, but is it going to be used on the ship? We hear not. We hear not. Uh, The marmalade champion of the world is Ali Barwick. I always quite fancied marmalade. Then I just thought, not really, no. It was that Rose's Lime marmalade. It just used to look quite nice, but it didn't do it for me at all. Uh, The page three beauty, take that with a pinch of salt, who nicknamed her cabinet minister boyfriend Sexy Bum. She's a real intelligent person. And uh, the end of Secret Celebs, we'll find out today. Brooklyn's birthday gift, he's had his hair braided. And uh, the BA jet hit by the drone. All of that and more coming up at the other side of the news at six. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast on LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, the 18th of April. I know. You don't want to go back to work, do you? Oh, wait a minute. You might be on holiday today. You might be lying in bed going, I don't need to get up for work. I can stay in bed. I can have tea and toast. How exciting. Oh, no, no bread. No butter. Oh, dear, how dreary. You want to come around here? Our kitchens are so well-equipped now. Not only do we have, from the management, courtesy, tea, sugar, coffee. Now we've added green tea and hot chocolate. Honestly, it doesn't get any better, does it? It's only Monday. How good is your day going to be? Mine's going to be brilliant. Hottest spell of the year is on the way. Not today, but uh, hopefully soon. The scandal, 75% of doctors struck off, are from abroad. And Lily Allen failed by the police over this seven-year stalking nightmare. And that man who says, I'm not going to let anybody dig up my home. I want to, I mean, I don't want to go onto his land quite clearly and dig it up, but I want to know more about it. You know, I can't recommend people taking a little shovel up there and digging up this thing, but it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, if I was him, you know, I would actually sort of dig it all up, expose it, everything they've got, and then cover it over with sort of like thick glass so that you can look into it. That would be very exciting, wouldn't it? Or put a building over it, which they've done before when they found Roman villas. Either way, it's too exciting to just leave sitting in a field. He only found it because he was uh, laying a cable to put some electricity in the barn so the kids could play table tennis. 
I mean, sounds a bit dangerous anyway, doesn't it? Digging a trench, and then he comes across that, and they went, whoa, stop digging! We found mosaics. It's lovely. The BA jet hit by the drones. Can't be long for the government bringing in this serious legislation that these things are just too dangerous, and they can only be used by people who've got the right licence to fly them, because you're, you're flying something that you can't sometimes see where it's going. You're watching on the uh, on the cameras, and you can buy them for, for other things, but you see these. I mean, some of them I see, and they're about three, four hundred pounds, these drones, going up to thousands, depending on how sophisticated they are. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you do want, isn't it? Uh, Peter says, thank you for the recommendation to see The Jungle Book. I went yesterday evening with the wife. Our local cinema sadly does not have 3D, but I can say, normal format, the film is truly outstanding. Your description was absolutely accurate, and we're grateful for the tip that it was a must-see. It's beautifully done, isn't it? I have to be honest, though, Peter, go see it in, in 3D. It brings on a whole... When, when Shere Khan leaps out of the screen at you, <laughs> damp patches everywhere, I'm afraid. It was, I thought it was very good, very good. A little bit scary, but uh, that's just me. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, another one here. Oh, I, must, I've got to, I can't find which paper my, my fly tipper is in. I'm a little bit disappointed, actually, because I so want to name him. I so want to name him. Um, the sort of, I, I read the uh, the pop columns every day, but to be brutally honest with you, I don't know half the people they're talking about. I've heard of Rihanna and people like that, and that's about it. Uh, how to replicate? You can copy the Ju- Duchess's royal tour style. It's not quite the same as Diana, is it? Not quite the same as uh, as Diana, who I think sort of led. Oh, God. Uh, the royal family. Uh, also, police have launched a probe into claims that Anton Deck's Saturday night takeaway wedding accidentally unmasked a bigamist. This story I ran on LBC about three weeks ago on a Sunday. I remember doing this one because the viewer, Helen Gundry, choked when she saw Daniel, her husband of 17 years, turn up at the ceremony in the arm of telly bride Michelle Brooker's sister, Sue. Neither he nor Sue knew they were going to be guests at the televised wedding last month and instead thought they were going to uh, Michelle's 30th birthday party. Helen complained to ITV bosses her husband's impromptu appearance with another woman had left their 15-year-old daughter, Daisy, in absolute bits. Daniel said, or told TV chiefs, he'd separated from Helen six years ago and had been married to current wife Sue for two years. He and artist Sue, who live in Dubai, told relatives they tied the knot in the Seychelles in 2014. Yesterday, Helen from Warrington insisted she and Daniel had never divorced and are still legally married, and were planning on moving back in together last year. Retail manager Helen has reported her husband to the police, and now Cheshire police are investigating. Good heavens above. Unbelievable, isn't it? The things that you get on the uh, on the television nowadays. And so there must have, I mean, there must have been a bit, a bit, uh, bit embarrassing going, that's my husband. Who is he with? It's with somebody else. It's as simple as that. Uh, Simon is seething. Apparently, uh, Alicia Dixon beat him to the Britain's Got Talent golden buzzer for a top gospel choir. The 100 Voices of Gospel group with the sensations of Saturday Night Show. But what future for them? They're a choir now. What's the point of going on Britain's Got Talent with 100 people? What are they going to do? Split the money, give them a pound each or something? Why would they do that? So Alicia Dixon did it. Uh, David Walliams says, Simon is looking for someone he can make a lot of money out of. You're not going to make a lot of money out of a gospel choir. You're really not. It's a limited market. Nice market, but very, very limited market. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But they, they don't think properly, do they? Lags are furious that Adam Johnson has had a quick transfer to a cushier jail. His new home boasts an all-weather football pitch, sports hall and gymnasium. Wow. Amazing, isn't it, really, what you can get nowadays? Always supposed to be a bit of a punishment going to prison. I've never actually thought it, uh, thought it was that at all. Uh, and this terrible mess. Dead dogs, 
condoms, used sanitary towels, polluting the bay that'll be used for the Rio Olympics water sports. Dear, it's not very promising, is it? And uh, Mylene Clash showing you her range of underwear. Sorry, swimwear. I do beg your pardon. I'm just so used to seeing her underwear. And so it's underwear. So no, it's, so it's swimwear. It's swimwear. But for swimwear, read, it's uh, a bikini top and a bikini bottom. It's not really that exciting, is it? It comes in different colours. White, red, black, blue, green, pink. Really boring, isn't it? I'm sorry about that. But apparently it's, 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 it's like the Dulux catalogue, only with Mylene in it, and say, sort of go, you know, here she is looking stunning in something she's designed. It's just something to keep your boobs from sort of falling out and sort of a little bit of flimsy downstairs, and that's about, that's about it. Oh, God, not her again. Oh, fans can get up close to Ellie Harrison. I've just seen a picture of Ellie Harrison. Now she does look like the older woman that I always thought she was. Um... Apparently, they, they've got a. They're, they're going to take Countryfile out on the road. The only person who's very irritating is Ellie Harrison. I think she's got something like three children, but she's terribly irritating. She's one of these terribly irritating BBC presenters. Uh, Bear Grylls uh, has now been branded. This is the island with Bear Grylls. Remember, we had that bloke the other week who, uh, the Muslim guy, who had been on the island for 11 days and then the women put bikinis on and he decided he couldn't do that. Mind you, from day one, he was a bit useless. Show doctor Daniel Quemby has led a small party in search of food on the remote isle as everybody's starving. And so one of the gang plunge off a cliff in tonight's episode. Well, I mean, that just frightens the life out of me. I could never do it. No matter how much money was on offer, there would be nothing, nothing on God's earth that would ever tempt me to do this. However, as they try to navigate the slippery cliff, one of the men falls 30 feet onto rocks below where his body risks being washed away by high tides. And uh, to avoid spoilers, they're shielding his identity. Well, as I don't know anybody in the programme is, it doesn't actually make any difference to me. But, uh, I mean, that doesn't sound very good, does it? 30 feet onto rocks. God, makes you go all cringy, even even sort of thinking about the idea. Terrible, absolutely terrible. Uh, the front page of The Sun is the the story of the Britain's Got Talent ballet sensation. He's just a kid who dances, all right? Just a kid who dances. He's not a sensation. He's just OK, all right? There's thousands of kids at ballet school doing exactly the same as him. He bursts into tears at the end, which, of course, is not something normally ballet dancers do. And it turns out that he's Beau's cousin. So it's becoming a little bit incestuous here. Let's bring in the entire family. Uh, the depths I told you about earlier on. Uh, also, the uh, plea by a hero's family. This is 20 SAS who died on a mission. Uh, his ex-wife, this is Pat, his ex-wife, Deb, yesterday, he said he was meant to be on it. That's why he kept the gun. And this is this story which, you know, started in the papers the other week, whether or not somebody should keep things like that. And uh, they decided, no, he shouldn't. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, yeah, the Britain's Got Talent pictures of uh, this poor kid's uh, Jack Higgins's mum with Go Jack T-shirt. I mean, what, what do these people do? They sort of stick them on the television and then sort of go out and have T-shirts printed so they can wear them. It's all a bit bizarre, isn't it? I mean, not really the sort of thing at all that I'd be interested in. Kelvin McKenzie is talking about a lot of Gogglebox's Scarlet Moffat. Now, as I don't watch Gogglebox, I have no idea who she is, but I'm looking at a picture of her, and I might be able to pick her out in a, in a line-up of, of usual suspects from the programme. Uh, anyway, it appears that Miss Moffat has not only sat on the Tuffet, but eaten it as well, uh, because she's got a book coming out, and I'm assuming it's, uh, it's a diet book. Because all these people on there, and they are the most peculiar people I've ever seen. I mean, seriously, some of these people, they need certifying. Anyway, she's on there, and the reason she's fat is because she stuffs her face all the time. Just sits there and eats and eats and eats. And um, somebody says here 
that there are now 4 million people in the country with either type 1 or type 2 diabetes, which can change their life forever. Uh, plus, uh, as, a, as a little known fact, it kills 24,000 people a year. OK, I speak as a diabetic. I speak as somebody borderline at the moment. But uh, there are now lots and lots of people with it. So she's on there. So she's going to bring out a, a book. And and you think to yourself, you know, she said here. Well, he's actually said, what does she think she's going to look like when she gets to 30? When I said yesterday, and it made me sound terribly cruel, but luckily nobody uh, nobody complained about it. Everybody seemed to agree with it. I, I picked up a copy of, it was either Closer magazine or New or something, and a picture of Kerry, the drunk Katona, explaining why she was drunk you know, and pulled her trouser bottoms down. And she's sitting with the children who put up with Mummy telling them that Mummy used to snort half of Columbia and uh, and drank and everything else. And, of course, because she had a terrible year last year, which means that uh, she probably didn't make any money, but she managed to get away on holiday, uh, she decided to drink and embarrass herself. And they had a picture of her with her oldest, Molly, who's 15, who is twice the size of Kerry Katona. I've seriously never seen such a, a huge child. 15, I mean, 15 years old. She had more makeup on than her mother. It was just, I looked at the picture thinking, I don't think this is good parenting. Not up to me to decide, you know, what is good and what isn't good. But why would you expose your children to this sort of publicity? It's not exactly painting the mother in a particularly good light. In fact, if anything, nothing that ever happens to Kerry Katona is in a good light. She's always been the embarrassment. But she's got, what is it, five children at the moment? Can't find anybody to go out with, and I'm not at all surprised. But it was the size of her daughter at 15. I thought that, I mean, that cannot be good. Mind you, you don't really see Kerry Katona standing in the kitchen cooking, do you? No, me neither. LBC News Time, 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Les says we can't get Jamie Oliver off the television. He's on every station. Well, people like Jamie Oliver. I don't go for all the hand-waving, and it's all... As opposed to just sort of doing something, he does a lot of waving of hands and stuff like that. But people seem to like him. You know, Saint, Saint Jamie. Yeah, so Saint Jamie, of course, because he's just saving the world, and we're all just so grateful for him. In fact, I'm, suppose, I'm surprised the Pope hasn't canonised him up until now. But uh, the Pope's too busy saving Syrian refugees, isn't he? Uh, we just take uh, 12. Uh, you... Uh, not you, un- unattractive, you, you, and just picks out 12 people. I, th- I quite like the idea Katie Hopkins was going, oh, no, no, not too sure about this one. Is that a good thing to do? Just pick 12 out. You know, you are the chosen. You can go and live in Vatican City. What for? It's full of very boring people, I promise you. Lots of men with dark uh, suits on, black uh, sunglasses, and talking uh, brooches and everything else. Keep moving. I need to find the toilet. Keep moving. I need to find the toilet. Keep moving. And you get the feeling, if you'd argued with them, you'd find yourself abducted and taken somewhere horrible. But uh, I found the whole place fascinating, actually. I thought Rome was the dirtiest place I'd ever been to in my entire life. Full of gra- I've never seen so much graffiti. At least here, we're reasonably good, except down at Richmond Station, where, bless their hearts, they're fighting a losing battle. I don't know why they just don't put people on machine gun posts down there, make it so much easier. Anybody who goes down and starts graffitiising, well, then we're going, to, uh, we're going to make you clean trains for the rest of your life. It's as simple as that, because they just seem to go along there and they put their silly little monikers everywhere. And you, you feel a bit sorry for them because they're obviously simpletons. They're not even particularly talented. They just sort of spray paint. Anybody, I think, selling uh, spray paint to anybody under the age of about 37, I think, should be prosecuted immediately. Ridiculous. Uh, Ed reckons that the Lily Allen stalker did actually write the song. And uh, it's got nothing to do with the song. They're not interested in the song. You're not listening to the story. I've told you. He's a stalker. He's been found guilty of harassing her. It's got nothing to do with the song. I'm not remotely interested in the song. That's not the issue. The issue is that he broke into her house. The issue is that he's harassed her for seven years. It's got nothing to do with the song. Oh, I have to explain everything to everybody, don't you? It's ridiculous. So here he is, the fly tipper. Caught today in the, uh, the Daily Mail. 
and his name is uh, Richard Weston. Richard Weston, I think, is in South Derbyshire. It's a particularly lovely part of the country. He's obviously the world's biggest idiot. He's wearing his little uh, little floral shorts. And uh, these hidden cameras have been placed at a beauty spot as part of a surveillance operation. And he was caught with his vehicle registration. He was fined. He was smirking as he flings part of a broken old dishwasher into a hedgerow. And no idea who's being filmed, because he's, he's an idiot. But it's great. So, in other words, we've actually managed to find him, which is good news. Then we can find a few other people who've been fly-tipping. Uh, 215 quid, £1,000 costs. Um, they, the, the, the council thought it was highly amusing they managed to catch him. Of course, that's the whole idea. He said the first reaction, this is Matt Holford, the environmental health manager at South Derbyshire District Council, said it was fairly damning evidence. So he flung the machine into the grass verge, staring straight at the location of the hidden camera. And then he came back again in his little blue Renault Clio uh, to dump more scrap. And that's when his number plate was photographed. He claimed he'd disposed of the unwanted scrap material in a secluded country lane in Caldwell in Derbyshire in the belief it would be picked up by local scrap dealers. Weston from Woodville admitted dumping waste there on a previous six occasions. Oh, fantastic. Well, 1,215 quid, mate. I mean, it's so much cheaper to take it to the dump, but uh, obviously you're not the intelligent one. Little bit dim. Don't wear your underwear in bed. I only mention this at the end of the programme because there might be some of you who are listening to this programme in your underwear in bed. Apparently it is a nightmare for your health. How can this possibly be? I mean, if you're not a person who wears pyjamas... Or things like that. I mean, what do you, you go to bed in your underwear? I mean, I don't, well, don't want to give too much away in case you sort of conjure up a, an image of, a, of an attractive radio presenter reclining in his pants. But uh, they say that when the temperature rises on a hot summer night, huh, if only, some of us strip down to our underwear to keep cool in bed. No, we don't. We don't strip down to our underwear to keep cool in bed. You strip down to your underwear because you don't want to wear pyjamas. I don't even possess a pair of pyjamas. I used to have a nightshirt years ago. A nightshirt that was made by a French company. Obviously, the French are very big too, sort of like wee willy winky, really. Well, just not, just, well, anyway. And uh, apparently, constricting underwear affects the body's ability to regulate temperature and hygiene between fabric and the skin. Oh, God, have they got nothing better to talk about in the newspapers. Where has this come from? This is a fertility expert from New York called Dr. Alicia Dweck. There you go. Dweck by name. Dweck by nature. But apparently anybody who wasn't keen on the idea of going without underpants at night could opt for a loose-fitting cotton pair. Oh, dear me. Honestly, why don't these people just leave us alone? I mean, I'm going to go to bed, you know, in my pants because that's... I don't even think about it. Why do these people worry about it? But they do, don't they? They do worry. Uh, what have we got here? This is the Cabinet Away Day. Uh, Whittingdale caught on camera. And it's all very exciting. You can see all the people here. And then you've got him with a picture with Stephanie Hudson, part of the Booby Girls. She's obviously loving every minute of it. What's the betting? By this Sunday, she'll be selling her story, singing like the canary. And uh, what else do we have here? Oh, yes, the classic English story, Murder Most Foul. Uh, it made headlines around the world with a huge reward. Who killed Mr Goose? This is in the village of Sandon. And uh, the goose there, you, although actually, just changing the subject quickly, because I didn't understand the story anyway. I went through Leicester Square the other day. There's two ducks sitting on the fountain in the middle. Ducks in the middle of London. What's going on? I immediately got close to them, got out my hoisin sauce and my pancakes and, you know, and sort of started cutting up the cucumber. It was at that moment that they kind of realised what was going to befall them and they disappeared off quite quickly. I've never seen ducks in the centre of London before. Foxes, yes. 
Imagine if the fox had been about, the ducks wouldn't have lasted five minutes. Uh, the migrants heading for the UK clashing with the parish Paris vigilantes. A picture in a lot of the papers today. These are the self-proclaimed anti-crime vigilantes, and they're just prepared to beat anybody up. And uh, the Waitrose staff perks go to pay for the living wage. Apparently, Waitrose have joined a growing list of firms accused of cutting perks for staff to help pay for the new national living wage. The supermarket, owned by John Lewis has stopped paying Sunday and overtime rates for new workers. <clears throat> Other firms which have done the same, Tesco, Morrison's, B&Q, Wilco and Dunelm, Sainsbury's has also said it is considering all options. So in other words, the thing goes up, they're not going to pay for it. They're making sure that uh, that you pay for it. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it, really? I still maintain that Waitrose staff on the checkout and said, Twicker, I've got to be the slowest ever. I mean, one of them the other day, I nearly said something. She's having a conversation with this woman there about, oh, yes, and so I did, oh, just get on with it. Mind you, it's a woman in Tesco doing the same. The woman on the till goes to this woman in front of me. So have you managed to find a job yet? And I'm standing there with my seven pots of Yoplait. I think I need to get out as quick as possible. And she goes, no, I went for the job. And I thought, if I'd recorded this and played it back on the programme, you'd, you'd have nodded off. You really would have done. Uh, the picture that shows in the paper today that Kate will always be in Diana's shadow. And this is William hoping to recreate his mother's Taj Mahal pose. Do you seriously think that William came up with that idea? Or do you think the spin doctors at the palace went, I tell you what, um, why don't you sit on the same bench? You know, as your mother sat on all those years ago. They say it will lay her ghost to rest. No, it won't. What a stupid thing to say. It's not right. Absolutely not right. But uh, as I say, it cost you £270,000. Wait a minute. Me as well. Me as well. And well done to Ali Barwick. Because using only a preserving pan, a sharp kitchen knife and a lot of elbow grease, she's come up with 25 delicious flavours of marmalade. And she's now got a gold medal for her Seville marmalade. Her clementine and lemon won silver, as did her lemon and stem ginger marmalade. She also got lemon and lime, blood orange and tree colour, tricolour, delight flavours. How wonderful. I mean, if only I could eat it. But I can't. But I, I quite like the sound of it. So she's the marmalade champion. I wonder where they'll be selling that. Probably something like Waitrose, isn't it? She says the, the jams and jellies are made using as much locally sourced hand-picked fruit as possible. Crikey. Where do you pick limes in this country? Do tell me. Drivers could be facing a ban on pavement parking. We see that all the time, don't we? People parking on the uh, pavements. And who's drinking all of Italy's Prosecco? Me. No, it's not me. It's the Brits. We are drinking more Prosecco than anybody else. For some reason, don't ask me why, apart from the fact that ice cold, it's very nice. <clears throat> We've actually gone mad for it. And we're getting through... Thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of bottles of it every week. And the, the Italians are keeping up with it. I mean, they've known about it for ages. But we've discovered it because I think more people are having it at weddings. It's cheaper than champagne. Nobody can tell the difference. Nobody could tell the I promise you, you show most people. Apparently, the producer has now started describing himself as a Prosecco socialist. Prosecco. I like it. Although people keep writing to me saying, can you recommend one? No, I haven't had a bad one yet. I, ser I seriously haven't had a, a bad one. They're all, it's all quite delicious and it's all very nice for you. But uh, as they say, in moderation, ladies and gentlemen, and that, talking in moderation, is the programme for this morning. Uh, we'll have a, um, a, a free podcast up for you very, very uh, quickly. In fact, in about uh, 15 minutes, we'll have a free podcast, and uh, the other one will be up very, very shortly. Uh, somebody else says it seems a bit unfair for the pontiff to pick a dozen migrants at random in front of thousands of others. I know, but imagine being picked by the pontiff. You go, yeah, he's picked me, 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 look at me, look, look, please pick me. And it kind of worked, didn't it? Because he got loads of publicity. But uh, I had somebody describe it the other day as a publicity stunt. 
which I thought was uh, was quite entertaining. Listen, don't forget you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next, though, it's Lisa Aziz, The Morning News. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. 